Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. But like the official podcast of Grapple, I'm Benno. I'm Joe. I'm JP. Hi, lads. Good to see Hello. you. Hiya. <laughs> You're right, JP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alright. You? Yeah, well, JP yeah. Smallman. Exactly. Yeah. Hiya. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, you and him used to be quite good mates, didn't you? On good terms at one point. We, we, I don't think we've ever been on bad terms. I don't Probably know. Now. That, that photo yeah, of the two year JP doesn't look hugely happy. I've seen that before. Uh, that, oh, he's that not was, happy. That's yeah, selfie that's you got true. in the ballroom. There's many a selfie of me with a wrestler. And they're not looking best pleased about it. Will Ospreay is the immediate picture that comes to mind. That's the all-time classic. Yeah. He's when you so had to go speak to him because he had an Ireland shirt on or something. I'd had a drink. Yeah, he had. <laughs> yeah. I was asked about why Irish he was. He's not really. That's the truth of the matter there. <laughs> but he's got the flag. He knows how to brand himself. But like, apparently like one-eighth. Oh. Ever, ever had a picture with uh, with Glenn or or John or any of the progress lads, JP? No, the but... Glenn one will come soon. That's on the horizon. I hope we all have a group one with Glenn at some point. That'd be living the dream. When he endorses Grapple Spotlight, yeah. <laughs> uh, he endorses everything else. If me or Ben Owens do a tweet right now about progress, he, he's like the first to jump in with a with a lol. Uh, they announced today, didn't they? That they've got it. Uh, the, well, they didn't even announce it. Actually, there was, there was something like about there being a rumor of a uh, a mid card NXT UK title, and uh, <laughs> Ben Owens replies <laughs> with a uh, without you know, that Proteus belt that they're revealing as we speak uh, on Twitter at the moment. Isn't this the uh, the mid card NXT UK belt? Glenn just gave it a little lol. He, he knows how to co opt his uh, his anti progress journalists. He does. He's 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 working us like the marks that we are. <laughs> Good luck to him. I was going to say, the mid-card title in NXT UK, like... The Dave Mastiff belt. It, it really, would it be like... The Hoss belt. The, Eng- the, the, new the English belt, which but, feels a bit like the EDL belt to me, but, uh, something like that. No, it would just be the lads in beards belt. Like, any mid-carder with a, with a bit <laughs> yeah. of a beard and long hair looking like a, a mid-noughties Triple H, then you get this belt. Uh, there'll be lots of contenders for it, at least. What about Connors. the cross-county championship? Jesus, that sounds... Yeah, and whoever's got it, it, it could be like, I don't know, if I won, I'd be the champion of Hampshire, and JP <laughs> would be the champion of Essex. What? No. <laughs> Close enough. No. I, I thought you were an Essex boy, JP, am I wrong? <laughs> no. I'm only I, no, I'm not. I knew that would get a wind-up. <laughs> oh, and it does. Immediately, my, my tone has changed. See, I go, I go on about Liverpool postcodes all the time. Come on, JP. Give us the uh, give us the lowdown on the uh, what's what's the London postcode situation like? Well, the postcode I lived a lot of my life is sort of N twenty two, which would mm. have been like 
green, which those anyone who's ever been to um, Ali Pali, you end up passing through wood green. Well, people will be visiting N22 this weekend coming up, won't oh, they? They will do. Yeah. We won't. No, none of us. But You don't fancy trawling around your old stomping grounds at the weekend? I don't. No, I don't at all. As much as I'd love a JP history lesson, like, a, yeah, this is where I, I don't know. You heard me talking about naughty this. things. Yeah. A lot of that around wood green. Sledging, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Where I, where I played football. Oh, I've heard that one before yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, happy times. And you put the, ben, you put the boots back on last night, didn't you? For the first time in six years. I did. I did, Benno. First time in six it. years. I heard I about played. this, JP. I want to know. How'd you do? I, it was tough. I won't lie. He was good. I was... What I haven't got in pace, I like to think with a little bit of now some positional sense. Mate, you had a bit of a brain on you. Good positional sense, tracking that guy down the right constantly. You made that cracking run at one point when I put the ball across to you and that guy just got there and blocked it. Yeah. Because I thought you were about to score. It was a good bit defended by that bloke, but mm. good position as well. I thought you had a good game. I was... I didn't embarrass myself because the other team were like... They were, they were much... They were younger. They were like sort of... Anywhere between sort of mm. eighteen to twenty, so it was hard, mate. It was hard work. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? At my age, it's the lungs, isn't it? Like, well, well I don't, like I, I haven't played football myself in a couple of years, but when I, I last had a game and I hadn't played in a few years, it, that's the thing, isn't it? As soon as, as soon as you go, it, it's a different kind of cardio you need to have, JP, especially to keep up with these, with these younguns. Is it? Was is it an angry type of game? Like the games I used to play in Liverpool were quite angry, and that, that's kind of why I stopped. A this was a good game. Joe plays quite regularly, and he's <laughs> Joe the angry one. Hey, no, you did. You shouted a couple of times. You were angry about the positional sense, which yeah. you did have a point about. But was it advisory? It was harsh, but advisory. Was it, was it like, tough love? Was it progressive? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I wasn't having a go at something from this place in the past. I was giving them advice on where because their positional sense was bad, and basically I had to change sides at half time. Ended up eight versus seven. And we were 2 0 up at half time, and I changed side. Kind of coasting. And we went 3 2 up within 10 minutes, and then we ended up losing 6 3. And a lot of the lads I was on the same team as are a bit younger, and their positional sense is a little bit wobbly, let's yeah. just say. So I was having to organise them, but they don't like, you can tell they don't, I don't know, they just switch off. Yeah. Like they're not very alert at the same time. I don't know what it is in terms of an attention span thing. Whereas the older team, the vets, let's say, <laughs> which I was originally on and JP remained on, we were on it. Yeah. Alert, good positional sense, well-structured throughout the game. Yeah, made sure there was always somebody shielding the, the back two as it would have been <laughs> yeah. in that game. You'd have, you'd have, yeah, it was great fun. You'd have loved it, Ben. And, and, yeah, and Joe's... he's. He's quite fierce and combative on the pitch. I, oh, I, you are. I honestly In thought... sense? <laughs> I thought when you were describing oh. yourself then, Joe, it was like, you know, saying you were very progressive and that, you know, you tell people maybe what they don't want to hear. It just sounded like a metaphor for, for your opinions on certain wrestling companies. I thought that's what you were <laughs> Just but like that on the pitch. At the same time, like, I wasn't... I don't think I was being a dick to the people on... No, you weren't. Just, just trying to make like, them better, give them advice, you know? That, that, that exactly. sounds... It's very on brand for Rev, Joe. And it, did it work? It did work. It worked for about 20 minutes of the second half, and then everyone got tired, and then they fell asleep again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, it, I, I, am I fierce? It was, it was tough love, Joe. What That's was what it doing? It was. 
I imagine that game you play on a Tuesday, that's a lot more. Boring. Oh, that's full of, that's like you said, Benno, angry game. That's full of like older, angry, yeah. like very white men, let's say. Lots of gammon playing in that game. <laughs> like, <laughs> lots yeah, of breteteers. They do not, one guy, they have a Box week, uh, in the middle of the game, someone took a throw in near his back to the game. Someone threw it against his back, which is a legal move, picks up the ball, scored, and this guy who must be in his mid forties got so angry, so I shouted everyone on the pitch about how they're a bunch of bastards. Picked up his ball and left. <laughs> he took his ball and went home, literally. Amazing. Yeah, uh, they're they're angry that lot. Gotta take it yeah. seriously. No reason. We were all right, I think, last night. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't good that fun. angry. Uh-huh. I'll be I'll be doing it again. Let you and then we get get Benno down here for a game. We'll have a game. Yeah, we'll, it could be like Grapple versus pick another website. Uh, Gareth could play. Probably need a we need a we need a, a, a open challenge. Map. Andy Ogden, get him in. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Grapple versus Graps and Claps, maybe charity game. I don't know. Good one. Yeah. Bit like what voices and that did for the basketball are, are all out. I reckon it could happen. How about us versus like progress? To... Oh, we'll get Glenn involved. Grapple versus progress. There we go. Oh, yes. Charity invitational football game, and they could put the Proteus title on the line. I think it's only fair. <laughs> Benno, one step at a time. But if Glenn's listening or. Riley's wife or someone's listening. If you fancy a game, we are well up for it. Like, honestly, you can go in two-footed on us if you want to, you know, extract <laughs> some revenge and all the rest of it. I'm well up for that. That's it. Um, I am. I'll, I th- I'll start training seriously. I think I suggested it's before, a goal. And I didn't take it too far, but I said 16 carat, you could do like a Germany versus like rest of the world versus England versus Ireland versus the rest of the world you I think like they've done it before team tournament oh have they years ago yeah they do, used to do wrestlers versus fans and I think I think there were a couple of injuries and it wasn't a good thing to do Jesus. before the uh, before the show oh I didn't mean it? wrestlers I, I think that's a bad idea but I, I mean <laughs> absolute Andy running into the back <laughs> oh he'd be a full on ultimate enforcer yes yeah. he would he would a like a Stefan Effenberg type I reckon yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I was just going to say as well, before we uh, finish today, I'm definitely going to have to get you two to watch. I'm just watching this Proteus video. It's just gone live on a, on the Progress site. It's, uh, if you can picture the site, Joe, it's a, a couple of fishermen on a boat. and They, they seem to discover uh, something in the water and they pull out a case and it's the Proteus belt. They fully know what they're doing. They're just taking the pair. It's like a black and purple, kind of pretty looking, slightly ugly belt. They know what they're doing at this point. They're the ultimate trolls. Stay tuned for the end of the show. Maybe we'll get Joe's live reaction in the uh, in the post credits. I'm, I'm getting the yeah, getting the video up and ready for the end of the show. Okay, <laughs> so a couple go. of fishermen. Yeah. Is it, are the fishermen any wrestlers or promoters, or is it like Glenn and someone? Just some blokes. Should we save it for the end? Yeah, go on. We'll, we'll there you go. That that's your uh, that's your teaser for the end of the podcast because we've got plenty yeah. of uh... <laughs> four minutes. Yeah, four minutes. Does anyone <laughs> listen to a four-minute video of me watching a progress promo video. I think so, yeah. I think they do, Joe, yeah. I think me, me and JP are uh, exposed to these people on Twitter. I've been getting it all. Stage, weekend, this is the stage that we're at. Mate. What's wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> offence. <laughs> Sorry to our most hardcore fans. But I've been getting all weekend yeah. people kind of saying, you know, I really... Really want to hear you guys take on the you know the big news and the big controversy uh, of the weekend, especially especially Joe's take. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about Grapple adding GCW to the app and Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan uh, getting five stars on the app. Big news, lads! 
<laughs> you see yeah. It? I saw it's down to 4.91, so, I mean, who's the cop? Oh, the big... it was, it's it... a shame Bryce Ramsberg and getting credit in there as he, well, because he... he was the real genius. Oh, we kicked off about that. This is what's happened today, Joe. Like, we had a bit of a discussion, about because I've been thinking about it all day. What do I give it? You know, I made up the GCW are on Grapple now, so you can go on there, race all the Janela matches, race all the Bloodsport matches. But, yeah, it was Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan, and I love that Garrett's put them on as individual wrestlers. And I did say that. It was like, yeah, I feel like Bryce Remsberg should be listed as a participant here. So I think rather than Gareth had uh, a referee to all of the, what, 700,000 or whatever matches there are in the Grapple database, he's made a, a one exception here and added Bryce Remsberg as one of the competitors here. And oh, right. Like, like JP said, it was getting a perfect five stars because I posted the five as well. But people have started rating it down a little bit now. But still, the average is sitting oh, at about 4.95. And I will say, as it stands at time of recording, the wrestler or the person with the best average rating on Grapple across all of his matches right now, Bryce Remsberg. And he deserves it. Get in. He de- Put it this way. Is there anybody else who could have had that match that he had? Mm. Chris Roberts. Someone mentioned I'd Chris love Roberts to think there. he could do it. Shay Purser. Actually, they did that yeah. back I think, and there'll, there'll be other refs in the, in the states that we're not too sure about. But Shay Purser, okay. not getting five stars though. Come on, uh, Shay's got a talent. He really, he really does. But I don't think anyone could have done this. Oh. This was like kind of perfection, and it's it, it really was. I remember watching it, just going, "This is just an amazing piece of performing art, performance art." With full crowd involvement, is it is it a five star match? Kind of shit I'd expect to see in Shoreditch in the late nineties, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm looking at the ratings now. Some 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 miserable souls giving it a one. Garrett's giving it a four, which is if I'm going to be completely honest, what I was what? considering giving it until the five star gimmick happened. But the more I think about it, could that match have been better for what it was? Like, is that not the definition no. of a five star match? Like, it, it's going to ruin Grapple if people keep jumping on and giving it five stars. So Gareth will kill us. But is there an argument for this being five stars? I think there actually is. There is. In theory, you've got like a perfect comedy match. And Mm. there should be no reason why it gets five stars. In the same way that if, I always go back to it, but if the way films are reviewed, you have five-star comedies, five-star dramas, five-star documentaries. The genre itself can change. And it's the same thing then within wrestling. What's your five-star comedy? Well, that's it. I'm trying to think of a five-star comedy. Is there stuff that I've really loved? And I'm thinking of, I don't know. Omega versus Yano in that G1. I was thinking, I was talking film, mate. Oh, five-star <laughs> comedy? Airplane. Planes, trains, and automobiles. There's an argument, and maybe it's a childhood point of view. And obviously there's one problematic person in there, well, on the subject of problematic people this week. That's Naked Gun mm. as a five-star comedy. I can't remember ever, and it might just have been because I was, you know, quite young when it was on. But that was like all manner of fucking awesome. Not Naked Gun two and a half, and the third one, which was goes a bit shite. I think... It goes a bit shite. That first one, I was pissing myself from beginning to end. Yeah, I'd say the per- for me, like two of my favourite films are Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And do you count Groundhog oh, Day as a classic. comedy? Is, Cra- is Groundhog Day a comedy? Oh, Pretty sure. Oh yeah, yeah, a complete comedy. Bill Murray's a comedy star yeah great comedy great performance with bill murray groundhog Day. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah i'd go with that planes trains and automobiles is amazing as well oh. uncle buck i think oh, is uh, one of my favorite comedies i love john, love candy, john so candy yeah yeah. yeah you can see it's possible to have five-star comedy so i think i think it applies yeah. to wrestling too 
Even exactly. though they're broken patterns. Well, you could sort of think about it from a sitcom point of view. I would give five stars to mm. I'm Alan Partridge or to oh, yeah. The Office or Only Fools and Horses. I know JP oh, wouldn't, man. but that's some like sort of weird geezer self-loathing. It isn't. On there. It's when Grandad died, they got Uncle Albert in, they got endless sentimentality at that point. By the end, I was like, oh, no. I'm not feeling this at all. It grew as a show and everything grows. And sometimes we don't grow as people as those things grow, <laughs> which is something I'll talk about later. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be a show full of Joe advice. I can't wait. I love it. <laughs> really? Yeah. But I think, I don't know. This uh, is a discussion. Are some people beyond saving? Discuss. I think, I think that is the case. Um, yeah. but, but anyway, yeah, we'll get into that now. But yeah, if anyone uh, hasn't already downloaded the grab when you listen to this and you're a GCW fan, do. And join me in rating and going back and rating all my favourite GCW matches. Uh, mm. No legs against Tony Deppin. That's another one that I'm probably going to go high Shit. on. Thinking about four Need and a half to do right that. now. Need to have a think about that. Um, Alex Zane, um, a couple of his matches in GCW and oh, in recent yeah. vintage. I think I'm probably going to go high on as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, get on there. Rate GCW. I think they're the what twentieth promotion now. JP on Grapple. Uh, yeah, twentieth tw- now, awesome. and, and counting. Mm. So uh, the thing I was going to say, like tournament survival. Has anyone given any five-star death matches? I can't imagine there being one. You're five- the only person I know who even attempted to watch that. There's five-star horror movies, so there could be five-star death matches. I think it's only fair. Yeah, exactly. Sideways is another five-star comedy. I'm just checking through my ratings right now <laughs> on IMDb. <laughs> I love that we're just delaying the obvious thing that people want us to talk about. This is we more important. Are, I want to know we? more about Joe's film ratings. What else is yeah. in there, Joe? Five-star comedies? Um... Uh, there aren't many. There really aren't many. Now I'm looking through. There's a lot of sitcoms at sort of five stars. Curb Your Enthusiasm, I've gone five stars. Obviously, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's not the uh, most uh, woke show, let's say, and that's probably why I love it. Uh, what else is it here? Uh, hmm. I can't see any more comedies. As I scroll through, nah, nah, no more comedies. Uh, we're getting down to the uh, nine stars now. Is there, are there any? Co- oh yeah, a very Howard and Kumar 3D Christmas. At you nine, nine stars. stars? Are, you, are you are you Dave Meltzer here? What the fuck? Nine? Have you seen it? I haven't. This is this is out of ten, incredible. right? Say it again. This is out of ten, right? <laughs> nine yeah, of ten. yeah, nine. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Four on IMDb. Oh, have I you see. seen it? Uh, Harold and Kumar. Four and a half out of five on Grapple. It's my second favorite Christmas film after Die Hard. Fuck it's incredible. Out. I saw it at the cinema in 3D. And me and Ladder <laughs> Mates went to a late night show in Pompey on a boxing day when it came out. And Howard and Kumar was like a big in joke between us anyway for years. Like we watched it when we were like 18 together. A lot of my mates liked um, some herbal remedies, let's say, back then. Not me. <laughs> and yeah, it was in 3D. I hate 3D, but it satirized 3D. And the way it satirizes 3D with like, I don't know, uh, ping pong balls as snow and white Christmas playing as a cocaine shower goes over this entire mansion in slow motion with these like Russian gangsters having to run through it. Ah, I'm not doing it justice, but it's great. And also, Benno, Rizza's in it as well. You'd enjoy Rizza in it. Uh, I've been watching the, the, the Wu-Tang series on Hulu. I'm not a big Rizza guy these days. He's a bit, of a bit of an egomaniac, writing people out of his own show. Unbelievable. Justice for you, God, I will say. But um, Harold and Kumar, no. I, I remember rating it years ago, and I remember being made up the first time I went. To, have you ever been to White Castle? That's a big thing. I went to White yeah, Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was made when up I when I went. 
when I lived in New York, I lived a block away from a White Castle. So often when I was drunk, I'd for like the lols go to the White Castle and take pictures of me at the White Castle to send to my <laughs> mates who also love Harold and Kumar that I just spoke about. Brilliant. So okay, it's like a big in joke amongst us, basically. You know how much it was for a burger? Go on. You're talking like 59 cents for a hamburger. It's too cheap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The, I remember the soda was the most expensive drink, that, no, most expensive item on the menu, which is kind of wild, right? Good yeah. chips, though. Oh, the jalapeno cheeseburgers were 79 cents. And I remember getting like four jalapeno cheeseburgers and two chips. God, your ass must have been in bits the next next morning. Yeah, my ass has never been the same since I lived in New York. Actually, it <laughs> did something to me that that stay. Uh, it's like what lobster pots did to JP in Liverpool. Uh, never forget. Yeah, uh, food's cheap for a reason, isn't it, JP? Um, it is. <laughs> but shall we get into the uh, the bulk of <laughs> what we've yes. got today? Now that we've uh, we've covered all Clerks the bases, a nine star film as well. <laughs> As is Clerks 2. Ah, Clerks 2. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You never go ask I love them out. Clerks I remember too. that. But that's about the only line I remember from it. Uh, the stuff with the horse. I don't know. Good, good give or take. Donkey, is yeah. it? Good give or take. That. Yeah. First one's good, though. First one's good. American Pie, another one. I, I like that at the time. It was very good. Sex education for me, that, mate. <laughs> American Pie 2, I've got very fond memories of. I oh. pissed myself laughing at that several bits. Oh. Very, very childish. That one time I Which did. What we're doing to delay the inevitable. I'll get off IMDb. <laughs> well, on that note, to, uh, to, to less... Um, Perfect leading. Yeah, p- perfect uh, tie into what we've got to talk about. We've got to talk about it. We covered it mm. in, in quite a bit of detail last week because, you know, cards on the table. We were kind of somewhat aware this might be coming. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the referee Aaron Wilde of the uh, the match at Summer Sizzler between uh, Shah Samuels and, and Josh Bodum against the Aussie Open. Uh, we mentioned last week that you know I, I was asking you guys, having still not seen the show because it's not on VOD yet, about the uh, specifically uh, the Bodum in- Bodum incident and what happened there um, on the outside. And yeah, the referee came out. He said that uh, essentially said that he got grabbed and slammed to the mat by by Shah Samuels. Uh, and then it, in his words, he said something happened on the outside. And obviously the videos uh, since came out uh, corroborating what you guys said happened live and what other people have said happened live. Uh, there's video of uh, Shaw body slamming him in the ring. And then more to the point, there's a very, you know, couple of angles of video showing Bodum uh, striking him on the outside while he's he's on the ground. And you can very much uh, tell from re-watching the footage that it's not a work. Uh, the referee Aaron Wilde put on Twitter that you know he's worked 500 odd matches, uh, and you know that was one what he called a botch uh, in his career. And now that he's now because of what happened post match, he's got a, a shoulder injury, which means he indefinitely won't be able to referee. Uh, in his words, and yeah, kind of I was uh, away at the weekend, so probably picked as good a weekend as anyway to any weekend to miss mm. the absolute shitstorm on Twitter about this. Uh, you know, lots of lots of uh, justified comments there about you know a, a man that we've often he praise on on this show, uh, Bodum. You know, at this point, I don't. For me personally, I don't think I can call him anything other than an idiot and a liability. Uh, he's been released. Go stronger. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely stronger. Rev Pro aren't going to be using him anymore, which is a completely correct and understandable decision. Um, and yep. kind of sheds light all of this on why he doesn't get booked elsewhere. I think Charles Samuels is maybe a slightly different story, but 
I don't know. I don't know if you want to start there with uh, with Bodum, who's been a, a frequent topic on this on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what are your what are your takes on it on this as it as it broke over the weekend, guys. Oh, it's, where should we start? Do you want to start first, or me? I'll just. Well, I've been a massive Josh Bodum fan. Other mm-hmm. than that, uh, Bodum fan who used to be at Rev Pro shows regularly and then got a job at IPW. Yeah, I'm probably. One of the maybe the biggest Bodum fan around. I make no bones about that in terms of his ring work. Uh, but this is inexcusable. Like, he's an absolute cunt at the end of the day yep. who's taken advantage of the guy and has assaulted the guy against his will. Mm-hmm. And it was an assault. And it was kind of shocking. And watching back again, yeah, it is really bad yeah and the fact he's shown zero remorse or regret shows how kind of how can i put it immature yeah that's what i was coming to he's a man child at the end of the day he hasn't grown up in any way at all over the last what have i been watching Bowden for now six years he's not progressed as a person in that time and that is tragic and that is a massive shame and he's had every opportunity and he's been given opportunity after opportunity by Rev Pro and now you get completely why other promotions aren't weren't ever willing to book him because he's got a terrible attitude he's got a terrible approach and his arrogance really has caused this to happen this this was coming this mm-hmm. I think this was coming when I think back there's been a real change in his attitude he's always been a dick and mm. one of the reasons I've always enjoyed watching him as a performer is because he is a dick and it's there in the ring work as well. And sometimes I like a bit of spikiness, a bit of dickishness in the ring, mm. not taking advantage of someone. But I like I like it when guys may lay it in a bit harder. I like it when you've got that intensity. You know, that's probably something that I like from watching lots of 90s All Japan, where that was a real thing. I like a bit of no selling occasionally and that one upmanship that sort of comes with that as well. But what Bodum has done here yeah, like I said, it's inexcusable, and he's just been a complete twat about the mm-hmm. whole thing at the end of the day. And he's been given every opportunity by Rev Pro. They've stopped booking him at points before. They've brought him back, and he's not helped himself in any way whatsoever. And he's trying to take others down with him as he goes down, essentially. And you know what? I'm going to miss watching him perform, but good riddance if this is what he's like as a person. And I don't. I'd like to try and separate the personal from in-ring ability a lot of the time. Um, you know, if I was to associate the person with every wrestler ever, I'd hate Ric Flair, surely, because he seems like a prick. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, this is, yeah, fucking awful what he's mm-hmm. done. And the fact he's shown no remorse is not cool. Yeah. Um, I don't, there's no part of that that I would disagree with. And I've also been a big fan. And I think as well, you know, right. You always heard the stories. Mm. There were always loads and loads of stories, oh, multiple yeah. ones of all various variety. And almost to a degree, it kind of ended up creating a kind of mythology around him for for a while, where he was this kind of true rebel necessarily within British wrestling who you could really only ever see for one company. And that's completely unusual. It feels very unusual. It's not something we tend to see throughout the promotion. And because of these we kind of thought, oh, you know, he, just, he rubs people up the wrong way, but that's it. But I think with this, and I think it was something that, that me and Joe had spoken about earlier on, where there's an element of this that feels like it's been building and building up within recent months in yeah. particular. And 
you kind of truly see him for who he is in terms of his reaction for it. I personally, you know, Aaron Wilde is well within his rights. And I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up, you know, effectively going to the police and reporting this. He's well within his rights to do that Hmm. in terms of where that goes legally. God knows. But effectively, it's an assault. Mm. And the idea, and there were the ideas of, well, you know, you, you kind of botch your finish. Fuck that. Yeah. For a, for a start. Yeah. No one deserves what he got mm. from Josh Bowden. Yeah. I- and if, and it's, it's somewhat of a, you know, he's, this is a guy who had talent, but is so much of an arsehole. And, you know, we, you know, there's a whole variety of stories about him and, a lot darker stories as well. Mm. And I think when it when it comes to it, this is someone who cannot be trusted in a ring no. to be any kind of a professional when people no. are giving their bodies to <laughs> yeah. him. And he's been harder to work with over the past six months, six to sort of nine months, really. Yeah, there was yeah. a match he had with a kid recently, a cockpit show, where you could see he was being intentionally uncooperative with a kid in the ring. Mm. And it was quite awkward to watch at points. One thing I'm going to say, and like I said, I think this was coming, Look at him and look at him maybe a year, 18 months ago. There's been an increase in size and his temper has become a lot shorter and he's become a lot more irate during that time as well. I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I don't want to throw allegations out there, but put two and two together about what I'm saying Mm. and it's kind of easy to work out. And there has been noticeable growth and there has been a noticeable kind of shortening in the temper Mm. and... He's always been arrogant. But the arrogance has grown. The arrogance has really, really grown. But what I do find weird is the arrogance has grown as he's very much been cemented just as purely a mid-carder and Rev Pro. I think if if he wanted to invest himself and if he wanted to make an effort, he could have really been something. If you ask me, I think the best three wrestlers that this country has created during this boom period has been, well, I say Marty and... Zach, two of them, they were around before the boom Osprey. period. But they've gone to that next level during the boom period. Throw Osprey in there as well. When I look below that, I think, okay, who would be just below this? At this point, Tyler Bate, I think, is mm. undoubtedly number four, right? I think Bowden could have been in that top five if he'd have put the effort in and if he'd have wanted it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he's not shown the growth or the yeah. intelligence or the emotional intelligence for those guys have shown. And he's not been able to play the game either. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the culmination of thinking you're above all of that at the end of the day mm-hmm. and that you don't have yeah. to kind of invest in what wrestling is. And he's sort of playing his own game in Rev Pro while not picking up bookings anywhere else mm. and kind of blaming it on the promoters for being pussies. And it's like... Well, <laughs> really, they had a point. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like I, I, I get what you're saying about you know recently and the you know this is you know the worst on camera thing we've seen him do. And as JP's alluded mm. to, you know you hear other things about him. And I've got to say, like he's a name who like it's a it's weird, but like I can remember him from you know the mid 2000s. He was up in the northwest training with Future Shock. That's how we got his start. And I, I know a lot of people at Future Shock, and I don't know anyone who's got a good word to say about him. And everyone 
has got a Bodum story from hilarious ones that Chris Egan posted on Twister this week about. Apparently, he had a match against his brother in Future Shock for the rights to the Bodum name, and apparently that was because his mum rang the promoter saying that Josh was the star and he should have the name. Like that maybe tells you something about the the psychology there. But like that's a funny story. But I heard darker yeah. stories as well. That, you know, obviously, unfortunately, yeah. uncorroborated. But all you know, the types of rumors you hear about him, like. And I kind of feel like Andy Quilden has tried to, and there's plenty to criticise with Andy Quilden, don't you know, believe me, that's coming. He's tried yeah. to, for, like, it's like a footballer point of view, isn't it? He's tried to put you know that arm around him management style of this rough diamond that he, you know, no one else is using. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say Red Pro is a championship club, but it's like that championship club who get that player who should be a star in the Premier League, but for whatever reason, he's not you know, at a bigger place or he's not being used elsewhere and they try and make He's Ravel Morrison. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just that, but it, that has come back to bite them in the arse and yeah, I've got some yeah. sympathy for them in some ways, but again, not that much because this was always coming um, and this was always the thing. How many yeah. times did we say on this show, it almost became a meme, you know, what's Bodum done not to get booked in progress? He must have killed somebody. I think that's a classic uh, classic yeah. line from our po- podcast and I think it is just that, that culmination that most promoters and you know, the likes of progress have probably done, probably been wise to stay away from him because yeah. there was always dangerous something like this happening. I mean, it says something about his level of toxicity. And it was something that we always wanted to see when we were in pro. So I was get Bodum in here. Oh, I think broke. I'd have loved it two years ago if he'd have turned up in the ballroom. Knowing where this has all ended up and with the benefit of hindsight. Mm. He did use worse. reason why they'd stay a million miles away from him. He wouldn't be able to be trusted in the ring. What wrestlers what would want to work with him? Well, we've heard reports, haven't we, before about yeah. wrestlers not wanting to work with him and stuff as yeah. well. and Not giving up the centre of the ring, that time. Yeah, yeah. And you see it when you watch him before, yeah. especially more so over the past year or so. That is, These Aussie Open matches, which I, mm. I have loved, I'm not going to lie, there's been some spiciness to it because of the clear dislike that, there, that exists in that ring. There really mm. has. And... Um, I do miss a bit of that legitimacy, like I said last week and in previous weeks, in a wrestling ring. I think that that is something that's kind of leaving wrestling generally, unfortunately. Um, Not people being uncooperative, that's the worst thing. Mm. But being able to work you into thinking they really, really do dislike each other. But in those matches, he's clearly being uncooperative. And Aussie Open are taking shots back mm. harder and harder and standing up to him. Mm. And you can tell that Bodum kind of got off on that sort of thing. I think there's a real sort of alpha maleism there when it comes to that stuff and that sort of one-upmanship that was going on in there. But yeah, you know what? If this, like we said, this was always coming and he deserves all he gets. And he's acted like a child since the punishments come about as well. Yeah. And I think his actions since it's come about have been pretty fucking awful themselves. Yeah. Uh, he has to think about uh, funny, how serious this could get. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, RevPro, you know, I saw criticism of RevPro legal making, perspective. But... Yeah, I, I thought criticism of RevPro making the statement that they did make that we'll get into and outright saying what happened because they are opening themselves up to to legal issue and, mm. you know, that would probably be the right thing to do if we found that ref. Um, yeah, he's just... He's just been an idiot on all fronts, hasn't he? He has. Um, and he's I'm, burnt all of his bridges. And yeah. I think he's just an idiot full stop. At the he's end an of the idiot. Day. He, yeah. Very selfish, clearly massive ego. 
I think there's a bit of narcissism yeah. that goes on there as well. You see his Instagram. Fuck yeah. I was going to say he gets to play Bournemouth fuckboy now, doesn't he? So yeah, that's yeah. His, that's that, that's what he wants to be. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, we'll get to the Instagram stuff in a minute. I think we should probably outline what that is for the people who haven't seen it. But I mean, before mm. we do get there, I did want to because the fallout is kind of relates to both of them, and I did want to separate it, not to. I don't know, maybe I'm leading you through with my opinion on it, but, like, I... There was a point at the weekend where, like I said, I was away, and I, I almost jumped into the conversation, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to get 50 notifications back here. It's not worth it. I'm going to enjoy my weekend and see how this kind of wraps up and see how RevPro reply to it. But mm-hmm. the Shah Samuels angle, like, I... With him, I do... I personally, I do think it's different, and I respect if people don't think it is. I know that... You know, uh, Aaron Wilde himself, and I know his dad's been quite active on Twitter, uh, you know, very critical of Shah Samuels, um, you know, for his part in it. It it felt like, you know, with the, you know, with the the three count being made, and that is, let's point that out as well as we did last week, that's Bodham's fault, he's the one who didn't kick out. Um, It did, you know, from your report there and from seeing the bits of the video, it sounds like Shah tried to, my interpretation is he tried to make an angle out of it on the fly. And in whether you want to use the word panic or whether you want to use the word anger, which you could probably attribute to it, he calls a body slam spot on the fly uh, and body slams the referee. And, you know, the, the the referee obviously landed really badly. I would probably guess if it was, you know, getting into the intricacies of it, because it is a complicated situation. I'd guess that's where the shoulder injury happened, but I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it did happen on the outside when, you know, when Bodum uh, attacked him. Um, but, you know... I. For me, it re- it read to me like from the description and then from seeing the the, the the actual video that Shah tried to make an angle out of it on the fly. A lot of I've seen a lot of criticism that you know this wasn't laid out in the back, but so many things happen in a wrestler ring that are called on the fly. You know, he's he, he, let's do a body slam here, let's do this spot here. Referees do go to wrestling school, um, as Aaron Wilder said himself, and he knows how to take bumps. You would imagine he would know he would know how to take a body slam bump. If I'd imagine Shah would think he knows how to take a body slam slump, and as inadvisable as it probably would be in the in the heat of the moment, he, my interpretation of it is he's grabbed him, he's body slammed him, um, and then you know he's landed badly um, because you know it probably wasn't an, probably wasn't the time to do that spot. Probably was a bad call to do it. Um, and then he's yeah he's he's unfortunately uh, come injured out of it and you know a lot of people have described that as an assault as well I'm not so sure I think there is a bit of a difference there it, I think intent is is very important I think I've heard people say things like well you know this is assault if it happened in you know another workplace we wouldn't even be having this conversation but in another workplace somebody wouldn't be picking the other person up there's not there's not a reasonable reason why Shah Samuels would pick him up and body slam him. But in wrestling, there's a reasonable reason why he might have thought that was a good idea. And it turned out to be a very, very stupid idea. And, you know, we'll get into the Rev Pro punishments in a minute. But I do mm. feel like this is something that maybe Shaw is different than Bodum and can come back from. Um, and I do think intent is important there. I don't know. Is, the, is that we genuinely haven't, you know, fully discussed this in detail? Is this is that similar to you guys read on it or? I don't know what you think on the on the Shah side of things. It does feel like, you know, while everyone's c- condemning Bodum, sh- people do seem to be split on uh, on Shah Samuel's uh, part in it, and there might be uh, other reasons for that that we can get into in a minute too. I think you're one hundred percent on point, Ben. I agree with everything you said, and the same thoughts have gone through my head as well. Um, 
yeah, at the end of the day, this is an awful situation, right? What Bodum did, I think, was wrong on every level. You shouldn't be be experiencing common assault in the way Bodum took full advantage of that referee and clearly was getting someone out of doing it as well. Shah Samuels was working. Bodum was assaulting someone. Yeah, maybe what Shah did in hindsight was ill-advised on his part and he shouldn't have done it. But let's think about it this way. The finish of the match has been fucked up, right? This happens in wrestling occasionally, right? You've got to work on the fly, okay? Shah Samuels is an experienced pro who I think is one of the best guys we've still got working over it, if I'm honest with you. And I think he's someone that is, honestly, someone who I value in this business in the UK. I think he's worth so much to the industry and so much of a talent in the industry as well as a guy to learn from and as a guy to learn from to get over, right? So he's working on the fly, Referees, as you said, are trained to take bumps. Okay, the bump was not agreed beforehand at the back. But most referees, when they're in a situation like this, I think there's almost like a moral code that you enter into when you're in this industry where you understand that, yeah, okay, I'm kind of part of this fuck up. I'm not saying he's to blame. I think it's on his and Bodum's part. Okay, I think Bodum should have got his shoulder up quicker. I think maybe he should have withdrawn his count possibly as well. I think that's another issue. Okay, but at the same time, Shah Samuel's work on the fly. I think giving him that back body drop and trying to do it sort of low down as well. I think he did it with the best intentions in the heat of the moment and tried to work around the situation. And then unfortunately, Bodum went that one step too far. I don't like how Shah Samuels has been dragged into this by some people and he's been viewed in the same light as Bodum because he is clearly a million times the person Josh Bodum is. A million times. Uh, I'm not saying this is like some, like, yeah, he's a good family man in a cliche way, but he is. He comes across as a very good guy. Every time I've ever spoke to him, he's got time for people, he's upbeat, he's an interesting bloke. The people who don't want to work with him, I suppose, that's the other thing as uh, well. Don't want to work with Shah Samuels. Exactly. Oh, he, okay. He, uh, sorry, everyone meant, would want to work. Meant that was a yeah. rumor that we didn't want to work. No, no, God no. Yeah, I, I don't like the fact that he has been lumped in there as well. And I think those that are lumping in, Shah in there with him in this, are those that maybe don't understand wrestling so much and don't understand the kind of moral code and the norms and values yeah. that have existed in wrestling for years. Mm. Benno, you went to a training school, so you probably was, know more about this I than was, I do. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I was going to say, I've refereed matches, and, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I wasn't the referee in the situation, but I ring announced the match once where the referee did the same thing. He counted the three on what was an obvious near fall, and I rang the bell immediately, and I remember thinking, shit, I should have waited and let them try and cover for it. Oh, no, am I in trouble? And obviously, you know, if someone had done what Josh Bowden did to me, I'd have been fucking fuming. But and, and be, you know to be an absolutely disgusting thing as it is in this situation. But if I was the mm. referee in the ring, as I you know have been, you know only a handful of times and years ago as well. But I was the reason I was in that position, and you know maybe Charson himself, you know maybe times have changed in that regard. But I would if I were the fucked up account and a, re- a wrestler turned at me and looked at me and either said the word body slam, which I don't know whether Shah did or not, called a spot on the fly or went for a spot on the fly. You know, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't think that would be entirely unreasonable. Those types of spots mm. can get called. Not all, not every facet of a match gets called in the back. And it would be the ideal for that type of a spot to be called in the back. But given the situation, given the panic around it, 
again yeah it, it's an under that that i think that's a feasible thing to do to call a spot on the fly uh obviously it's been it's gone wrong in this instance and it's inadvisable and obviously mm. you know the victim himself and his family don't agree with that um and don't see it that way but yeah that was kind of my take on it that yeah he is and he said himself a trained somebody trained in taking bumps and I wouldn't have said the body slam was completely out of the question. And it does look right from the video, like Shah is trying to protect him on it too. The other thing to think about here as well, and I'm completely with you there. If this was Chris Roberts or Tom Crane or someone, we probably would have never heard about this, would we? At the end of the day. Uh, I don't, I think that there's a different mentality possibly. They've been in the business a bit longer. Um, they're a bit more tenured possibly. Um, maybe very different as people. I don't know any of them, so I can't really say that, but I get that sort of impression. But think of the tradition that, say, an Andy Quilden came from as a referee as well. Mm. He probably trained as a referee 15 years ago. I think that what this business was 15 years ago is very different to now. Oh, yeah. And that's when Shah was coming up as well. So that's probably Shah's experience of this. If this happened to, say, a Roberts or a Quilden 15 years ago, mm. you take the body slam, okay? You get a bit of a talking to around the back. That's it. You probably maybe earn a little bit more respect for being able to take that body slam as well and not complaining about it. Mm. Now, whether that's right or wrong, yeah. That's questionable. And I think times have definitely changed in this regard. Um, what Bodum did might have been accepted 15 years ago, but it shouldn't have been No, at the end of the day. Mm. It shouldn't have been accepted 15 years ago. Even 10 years ago, it probably would have still been accepted, but it shouldn't have been. It's wrong. But I think what Shah Samuels did was use his instincts. And I think he's quite an instinctive wrestler generally. And has he fought... Is this a clash of generations? And I'm going to come on to something about generational change later on, but is this a clash of two generations and two different philosophies and thought processes regarding wrestling and what wrestling is now? And, yeah, it's, it is a tough situation to comment on, and I do not think Shah Samuel should be condemned for this on any level. Mm. And, like, for me, I mean, JP, like, I, I mm. think I'm on, like, the... I don't want to be on this side of the story with the with the with the Shah side wrestling because I do think like like I'm, I'm saying you JP because you're on Twitter like me and you're seeing the the pile on yeah. on Josh Bodum thing and I'm not saying this for any sympathy for Bodum but I would say that you know there's a lot of pile on on Bodum you know people coming out the woodwork including you know WWE guys and all kinds of guys from all over the world mm-hmm. and they're not going to do the same with a shot Bodum's an easy target. You know, they'll talk with glee, and I've seen people do this, talk with glee about, you know, when Bodum found himself in the same position when he'd clearly said something really offensive backstage or he'd done something really offensive, a very different version of the story, and Rampage Brown and T-Bone beat the shit out of him in a match in PCW. Like, I've mentioned that on this podcast before as something, you know, like with the referee, you put your body in the trust of other people, and if they take advantage like that, that's disgusting. And people talk about that with glee because it's Bodum, and I get it, he's a dickhead. Um, but... yeah. He's a very, he's a very, and it's his own fault that he's a very easy target. And it's almost like somebody's given the wrestlers the green light to go after Bodum. Whereas, yeah, they're not, again, you know, the, the, the years of respect and, you know, with contributions to the scene are, you know, very much a lot of the reason why Shah Samuels is getting the same criticism. But I do, there is a party where the things, no matter what he would have done, he probably wouldn't get this, this pile on that Bodum's getting. And I almost don't, I want to be the, I almost want to be someone saying, no, Shah is as bad as Josh is in this situation. And people are just 
giving him a pass because of who he is. But I do think the situations are different, and I do find myself, it almost feels, JP, like I'm on the wrong side here with that. But I think that is probably the right way to take it, even if some of the the pylon uh, with Bodum is deserved as it is, is making me a little bit nauseous at this point, just because there are so many other wrestlers and things that happen that people will never pile on about and will never talk about. I don't know if that makes any sense. Exactly. I mean, in some ways, he's like an element of catharsis for a lot of British wrestlers to be able to kind of tee off at Josh Bowden mm. today to be able to do it. I'm not surprised, and he deserves every aspect of that that he's getting because this is a situation he's entirely brought up upon himself um, in terms of his reaction and just this effectively being seen as karma, that mm. this is coming around to bite him in the end. This is this is how he'll end up being remembered is is these kind of incidents and anything else he's done in the ring before that, um, anything he's actually ever done in the ring, really kind of gets forgotten about and then it becomes this sort of myth of this kind of Brit rest asshole <laughs> on this extreme level and that's what he'll end up becoming and going down that path. Mm. Where I feel with the Shah Samuel stuff and I kind of think that obviously for this, if he's you know obviously if he's hurt his shoulder. I think there's there's a reprimand that he gets, but there are degrees and this is the part of the problem with Twitter and we were talking about this earlier on. It doesn't do nuance and there is more nuance to this situation. Weirdly enough the Bowden part of it is kind of the easiest, most black and white, cut and dry situation of all of this. Mm. Then there are others who, it, the way they've reacted has not been good. No one comes out looking good out of this. But there are degrees to it yeah. in terms of culpability. Yeah. And I look at it in terms of Shah as this is something, again, is this something he's going to learn from? Is he going to repeat this? Is this going to become a common practice? I highly doubt it. I, is this someone who has been doing this like historically for a long, long time? No. Has he, if he's hurt Aaron Wilde, and I get the idea, there were some people saying as well, he didn't say anything to me around the back. And I'm not thinking, you know, Shah Samuels and Josh Bowden are two big fucking blokes. He's probably shit scared of wanting to actually say to their face, look, this is what you've done and sort of challenge them backstage where there may not be many Mm. people around. That's Mm. not a realistic situation and that's not going to happen. But what Shah Samuels did from, from what I've seen of that, is necessary stuff that's actually taking place inside of the ring. The scoop slam looks like he is trying to protect him. I think there is that element of it. He's not like he's got, and this is a, sounds really silly. If he wanted to hurt him, why wouldn't he just start punching him? Like, which is what Bodum did. Well, exactly. That's the difference. Yeah. And that's and that's fundamentally the difference between the two. And it's like what Joe said earlier on: it's the difference between sort of you're beating the shit out of someone and assaulting them, and working them. However. It doesn't mean that he's kind of, he doesn't deserve reprimand for it. What that would be is kind of difficult. Is that a couple of bookings? I don't know. I don't know necessarily how it works. And this is where it does get necessarily murky. Do I think he needs to be cancelled for life? No. Because, and this is stuff that we, it's that kind of cancel culture absolutely leaping onto it in a heartbeat is the stuff I, I dislike. Every, everything's and a mess. there's no degrees. <laughs> It's exactly. It's messy. It's like what you said earlier on. Well, that's assault. It's the same as this. It's like, no, there are degrees of things. And things are messy. There are, you know, not everything is necessarily black and white. And people don't react the best in high pressured situations in front of lots of people. I imagine in Shah Samuel's case, 
New Japan people, and he's probably thinking he wants to really make the best kind of effort he can do, and this happens. And this is not excusing him, because Aaron Wilde ultimately is the victim here. Mm. And that's not something that I don't think any of us have forgotten. What's happened to him is completely wrong. Yes. It's the idea of what one person did is what you might say, it's it's obviously like less intentional. I don't think he's gone out there to, to kind of deliberately smash his shoulder. Oh, he shouldn't have done it. And that's the kind of, and those kind of things are obvious. And I always worry about this. And I don't want to kind of think of, you know, going in into pylons and whatnot. One of the things that really bothers me about cancel culture is, and one of the last remnants of this was from when the Briscoes have toured and the idea of five-year-old tweets as still being, well, you need to be banned for life for it. Okay. It's the idea that if you want to be a progressive, do you believe that people are worthy of rehabilitation? Can people grow, change, learn, and evolve from where they are? If you look at people's positions, whether they be politically in the mid-1990s as opposed to now, different worlds. Why? Because we grew and evolved. Now, I imagine... Sharp look at Tony was- Blair's old letters in the early 80s. Yeah. And this is kind of stuff, you know, what I really dislike about this, and I dislike about the, the, the idea of lumping them in together, is it loses all kind of nuance. It looks at things in this very binary, quite frankly, really blinkered way. And it's just about kind of some kind of, it's about the punishment. It's not about actually rectifying situations. It's about you deserve this. But there isn't a conversation about perhaps what is anyone going to do with this. And and I'm someone who, as a liberal, I believe in the rehabilitation of people. And I think people can grow and learn. That doesn't mean they're not exempt from some kind of punishment. But at the same time, it's kind of a dipshittery um, lumping everybody into the same pot. And you know what it's not? It's not very liberal. And a lot of those it's that have jumped off, illiberal. yeah, it's very, very right wing. And one thing I was going to say, I expect that shit from male readers. Well, I'm, I've got a few points to make regarding that, and I think you're entirely on point there, JP. Do you know how this whole thing could have been avoided into heading into the blow up that it's become? Cool. I think the referee, I don't like the way he's handled it. I feel sorry for him. He was assaulted in the workplace, and I get that. Yeah. He's not taking it well. I get that it's affected him. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be a rational reaction. No, it's not. He's no. got my sympathies. People react differently based on the situation, right? I get that. Now, to me, by not putting this on Twitter and by trying to handle it in private, it could have gone about in a very different way and the blow-up wouldn't have been there, okay? Now, I do wonder at the same time, would Quilden have handled it in the same way? Yeah. Would he have made the punishments if he didn't put it on Twitter? That's the other, that's the other thing to bring up here. Yeah, I don't but think he would. I think he's been put do, back into a corner. I do think that at the same time, this is the other part. trying to handle it privately first would have been the best way to go about yeah. this to see where you get to. Now, I, in my opinion... Twitter is a toxic platform that I'm, I do not miss on any level whatsoever. Yeah, I'll see occasional things that people show me on Twitter or tell me to look at on Twitter, but I don't partake in it. And when I do go on Twitter and look at some of the stuff that goes on in there, it kind of just disappoints me and disgusts me because I hate the lump on culture that exists around a story. And it feels like a lot of people sit on Twitter 
waiting for the next scandal to come so they can react to the next scandal. And the referee, poor bloke, I feel for him, but he's given the fan base that scandal. And I think elements of that fan base have taken this on to push an agenda that they want to push to make themselves look a certain way. And it's that element of that fan base that I really loathe and I really, really dislike. And it makes me feel completely disillusioned with British wrestling. Like It makes me feel just uncomfortable with the whole scene. And I see a lot of people whose names are recognised, people I've probably met over the years as well. And I see these unnuanced black and white binary takes on the whole situation. And I just wonder what thought has got into that. And it feels like Twitter is being used as this form of like vigilante justice. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? Why are you doing nothing about this? And there's this demand And it feels like people are reacting. And again, and we're going to go back to the liberal point. Mm. People who think they're very liberal are reacting like tabloid newspapers. And they're coming out with the most tabloidy style takes and comments that put everything into these binary kind of categories. And I think that's really quite worrying, to be honest. And it kind of turns the entire situation into something else. Because an assault's happened... But I'm talking about how I really dislike the reaction of those that are outraged by the assault. And that's kind of a shame that I'm talking about that, to be Mm. honest, because I'd like to just talk about the assault. But that element of this fan base really, really does bother me in a big way. And it sours me on going to British wrestling shows. Because I really feel like this whole incident has been a kind of... It's going to be like a watershed moment for me Mm. personally in British wrestling um, and maybe a watershed moment in the industry. What I sense here is real generational change. So I think the Shah and the ref thing is a clash of generations in many ways. It's one guy who came up in British wrestling 15 years ago. One guy is a young 21-year-old lad, okay? Mm different working styles, different thoughts, different philosophies, different lifestyles, different upbringings. Think about what Shah Samuel's upbringing probably was. I don't get the impression... I don't Even know. his upbringing within wrestling. What it yeah, was. I don't get the impression that the referee's upbringing it was anything similar whatsoever. Okay, It feels to me like the approach is just completely different. And I feel like, for me, and this goes for Rev Pro as well, I think Rev Pro is behind the times as a company. I think they've stagnated. I think they're stuck in about 2015. I think essentially Rev Pro was born out of the New Japan fan base that came around around 2012-13. I was very much part of that. Rev Pro was my way really into British wrestling. Yeah. Rev Pro were a work rate promotion for the longest time. Work rate was their selling point. They got that New Japan fan base in the UK on board, and they got a massive amount of those fans that I was in the mid-2000s back into wrestling, going to British wrestling shows. Period I went through where I didn't really watch any independent wrestling. I'd gone off Ring of Honor. I didn't I couldn't find any interest in Japan even at that point in time. But Rev Pro was a way back in, and there was an appeal there. They were bringing good guys over. They were bringing guys a buzz on over as well. And I think what's happened is I feel like me and you, Ben, I'm especially a part of sort of what I would describe as like the work rate generation. Mm. We were into those work rate promotions and work rate was a big selling point for us. 
at a point in time. And yeah, you got like your hate feuds that went with that and Ring of Honor and all the rest of it as well. But I feel what's happened since maybe about 2016 is there's been a generational shift in the British wrestling fans and the culture of British wrestling fans. And I think what we've started seeing more and more is a growth and a change in the fan base. I think me and you, Benno, come from very much the work rate generation of fan, whereas I think the current crop of fan here are very much the sort of shtick and meme generation of fan. And this has been happening for a while, and I don't feel that me as a fan have adapted to this at all, and I don't like it, and I've made no sort of secret of that. I can't stand the T-shirt sellers. I find them boring. I find them uninteresting. They're great at what they do. There's no doubt about that. They're very, very good at what they do. And I understand that's their way of making links with fans in terms of developing relationships. And a lot of fans get a lot of validation from that as well. And therefore, they get a lot of goodwill on the likes of Twitter from it. And they know how to work those sort of fans. And fair play to them. It's what they do. But I feel that I'm in a sort of similar position to someone like an Andy Quildham. We're sort of the same age, similar upbringing, similar approach to wrestling, I think, in terms of styles and likes and interests. I think he's disillusioned with the British scene, probably for a variety of reasons. But I think one of them is he possibly doesn't like the change and that adaptation, the style and possibly the fan base. And he doesn't know how to appeal to that fan base anymore because of his upbringing in the business. And I feel that I don't connect with that fan base on any level. And I don't know where I'm going with this. It's kind of rambling, isn't it? (laughs) But I feel like there's been a real generational shift in what, in in who the fan base are. And it feels Mm -hmm. to me that right now, the fan base that kind of have British wrestling and that are British wrestling are very much that kind of shtick and meme generation who want to have just fun at shows, who aren't going to shows to watch great matches and watch great wrestlers perform. It's about the fun factor. And that's fine. And I want to have fun, but I'm getting fun in a different way. And that doesn't exist maybe in the way it necessarily did a few years ago. And I think that's what Quilden's found hard to come around to as well, if anything. And yeah, I think we're really going to look back on this moment as this clash of generations and look at it as Rev Pro being almost the wrong promotion for... (laughs) How can I put this? Mm. Today. Yeah, for today, because they haven't been able to yeah. grow as that fan base has changed. I mean, to that point, like Rev Pro, like they, because it, again, yeah, they're not, uh, in a lot of ways, not to that point, you make about them not being a very, you know, today promotion. Like a scandal like this happens, and because people like me, I know I'm one of them, live on Twitter, people expect for it to be dealt with that second and dealt with in a certain way and dealt with. And spoken about in certain terms and when you don't deal with it immediately within seconds and you don't say things exactly the right way, you open yourself up to criticism, which kind of Andy Quilden did this this kind of weekend and uh, this week. I, I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's what kind of ties into to all of this, JP, and that that's like a, I don't know, I think, I, th- I personally, and I think probably because I was watching this all, from afar and i wasn't as engaged as i normally would be in a, in a big story like this like i can kind of, you got to see the forest for the trees sometimes and i reckon i could have easily been been swept up in all of the the hatred and the, the and the you know the demanding mm-hmm. answers from andy q and the why is he not replied yet when you know if you look at it with a bit of distance the issue came up saturday afternoon 
as Joe said uh, at the start there, you know, Andy Quilden didn't find out via the referee. Allegedly, he found out, you know, due to the Twitter storm. I do have some difficulty believing uh, he didn't know anything about this. I believe he maybe didn't watch the Rev Pro show back yet with the length of time it's taken for the Summer Sizzler VOD to come out. I have some question about whether he, he really didn't know anything. Um, I've got some question about his timeline of events uh, in yeah. general. Uh, but I... I <laughs> I do think, yeah, you know, you look at it with a with a bit of a, you know, you look at it outside the Twitter bubble, and yeah, within 24, well, just over 24 hours, Rev Pro delivered the statement. Bowden won't be getting used anymore. Shah Samuels is on his, you know, he's on a last warning, but they've given some credit to his his time before and, and their belief of what his uh, intentions were. And I think they've dealt with it well, but is that enough for kind of, you know, the, the Twitter generation? Is that enough to to take the heat? I know there's, there's other things, as we mentioned, Josh Bowden's Instagram, you know, we'll talk about that too, and some of the inconsistencies in Andy Quilden's story to you know he said that there was he'd watched the, the footage back and there was no footage of the incident and then photos come out showing cameras pointing right at what Bowden was doing uh, yeah I don't know what you make of all that JP and what you make of like what, what Joe said there about the I don't know a rev pro the the wrong promotion for for something like this are, are they like stuck in the past in in so many ways they are, and I think this when Joe brings up the idea of the generational change, this is kind of where it's at its most apt at the point of the reaction of something like this. I'm stuck in the past as well. I'll, I'll say that openly and honestly because I don't like what British wrestling is. I'm not. I feel really disillusioned where it's at at the moment, and this is kind of the the ice on the cake to say, yeah, what I love about wrestling in the UK, it's done. It's not. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. I'm not quite sure the point is going to raise. Oh, sorry, mate. Um, let me get back on track with it. You know, Rev, Rev Pro, Pro being the wrong promotion at the wrong time for this. Yeah, they are. They're not okay. So the way you would normally react to something like this is a you'd want to be proactive, a out there straight away because you'd realise that in terms of social media, you need to get out ahead of this. Even if you think in the most sort of cynical terms, and this is very much on the kind of political end of things, you get ahead of the story, you go out there with your kind of narrative, that becomes the prevailing narrative, and that's how you kind of try and get ahead of the news cycle. Now, all of those things appear to be not things that naturally would come to mind for him. And that may be, again, because these aren't, if this had happened in a different way, different years, uh, 10 years ago, say, it would have been dealt with very differently. The fan reaction would have been there. There wouldn't have actually been the social media kind of access to go out there and kind of create a storm around an incident. And because there is social, because of social media, it's easy to get things out of this on Instagram and Twitter. And, the, and you know, and Instagram and Twitter are kind of key to this story. So Quilden effectively thought there's a way you could kind of deal with it in hush hush. And I have to say, if there's a piece of footage I really want to see out in VODs, I want to see this fucking three count mm. more than anything else. Yeah, Because, yeah, like, it leaves so many questions about what exactly has gone on there and whether or not that's the case. And I would say a popular conspiracy theory is Josh Bowden deliberately fucked the finish in order he could piss off Aussie Open and so they would lose heat in the way for that. And he just puts all the blame on a referee. Now, that would be, you know, conspiratorial. And I've seen that kind of stuff out there without seeing the footage we don't know. But the way he reacted to it, he should have been on that footage straight away. That would have been one of the one of the things to review. He wasn't commentating that night, Andy. You know, so would he have not been seeing this go on? Would there not have been a hint of like, actually, I need to go back and see what the fuck has happened here? He would have seen the reaction in the referee. The statement itself was fine, 
what isn't fine that ends up entirely contradicting it is what I suppose Bodum's biggest fuck you, I'm going to burn down the house while I leave type yeah, deal. What an absolute cunt. When he did that. Now, that isn't something, when we say about him being an absolute cunt, that isn't the kind of thing that necessarily uh, means that Andy Quilden's not without blame because he's clearly trying to play both sides against against the middle. He's trying to work out what to do. He's trying to, he's sticking up for Bodum. Kind of inexplicable. I suppose at that point you've kind of. I've got a bit of a take on that that I'll come to in a minute. But yeah, sending the message out like it's it's difficult. He really yeah. I mean, I get, I get doing that. Like, if you're going to, like like I said earlier, you know, the man management style of your problematic striker and you're putting your arm around them and saying, you know, if you, if at that point in the stuff, because Andy, Qu- like, that's the screenshot Josh Bowden posted on Instagram of Andy Quilden essentially saying, uh, this ref's kicking up a shitstorm. Uh, I've got your back on this. And then the rest of the message is, is kind of cropped out. So I don't know what else was said. Bad on site. But I, can't, I, I don't know if maybe if, if at that mm. point Andy Quilden thought that, you know, Bowden was telling him the truth and he hadn't seen the... If you believe he hadn't seen the footage at that point and didn't know exactly what had happened, you know, you could imagine him putting his arm around him and saying, obviously, you know, this... Maybe he thought at that point, you know, knowing the, the Shah side of the story, he thought that maybe it wasn't as, as serious and he was trying to protect his star, but he still doesn't look good, does he? Um, it, it's... You know, and Bodum has kind of thrown him to the wolves there. Um, it does. It does make you ask a bit more questions of of you know Quilden's side of uh, version of events. I think he's been very. I think he's mishandled it. I think he should have been having that conversation with Bodum on the phone, mm. putting that in a Facebook message. Instagram. Stu- oh yeah, it was Facebook, wasn't it? It was Facebook. Yeah. 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 It was a stupid way to handle that, mm. especially with someone as untrustworthy as Bodum. At the end of the day, I don't think he sort of saw where this was going at that point in time and yeah one thing i'll say is from my point of view there are things that i'm going to say to my friends that i'm not going to say publicly ever right there are things i will say to jp and jp will say to me we will never say on air ever Mm. and i'd like to think that everyone understands that they are also in that same position in life, right? If anyone tries to claim that, oh, no, I wouldn't say anything that I wouldn't say publicly in private, bollocks. Absolute bollocks. Don't believe that for a second. Uh, I think you would agree with us on that one, right, Benno? Apart from when I'm recording you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, hey, come on. Oh, which people have heard plenty of examples of the conversations we have off this entire fucking podcast. I do, do like that too, you know, A like. chat before a podcast. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. But going back to what I was saying, like, Think about it this way. Quilton has booked this guy for one show, right? Two shows. He was in the cockpit as well, right? He's been booking Bodum more or less consistently. There have been off periods for six years, possibly more, I think. So that's a long tenure. That's a relationship that's been built up over a long period of time. I think you feel like you develop an element of trust with someone over that period of time, right? And if you've got that relationship with someone, and also, let's be honest, he's kind of one of his draws and stars, especially that smaller cockpit audience, you're going to try and have that person who you have that relationship back with, first of all, in the situation. If JP did something, he was a dick, 
I'm going to have his back before I'm going to have this randomer that I've met once, right? Because he's my mate. And I'd like to think vice versa on this. Yeah, I'm not going to go and assault someone. So I'm not going to hopefully put JP in that position. But at the same time, I get it from the position of, I don't know, knowing that person. I get it from trying to get a bat for that person, not really knowing the other person and seeing what they've initially said as a bloody nuisance, right? I get that. I think he mishandled it completely, and I think he used the wrong wording in that and probably should have got on the phone. But at the same time, I sort of understand that he's a human being, and considering his relationship and the dynamic that he has with both people, that might have been his reaction. Mm. A guy that he's booked regularly for six years and a guy, a random guy that he's booked once, twice, I should say, because his referees got signed up by WWE. I, I get it as a reaction. I think Bodum has been an absolute prick. And I just think what he's done is inexcusable. And it's a real kind of picture of the man, if anything. It really does show you what a low-down, scummy human being that he ultimately is. The one person who stood by him for years when he was a prick, and he, st- he didn't book him for a period, and he got, got him back on his show. after Someone dropped off. I can't remember who it was. And he got on a Rev Pro show against Honma after Rev Pro booked him for a bit for being a prick. Mm. And he tried to shoot on Honma and Honma made him throw up. <laughs> you know, it's fucking ridiculous, right? Mm. Think about the opportunities he gave against the likes of Ishii. He tried to set up a match with Kojima, for God's sake. This guy's got opportunity after opportunity from Quildon and he stabbed him in the back. Could have probably helped him get into all Japan. I, I don't, well, who knows? But think about where Rev Pro's going. And I think this is going to be a real kind of if Red Pro is sort of on the downswing now, and I think they probably are going to be, I think this is part of it, and I think Bodum's been part of it, and that on Bodum's part is a massive, massive dick move. Also on Quilden's part, what he said about the camera was bad. He's, he's, really going for, bad. he's going for plausible. For me, this is just my read on it, could be wrong, he's going for plausible deniability. He's going for, oh, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got, no one will be able to prove it. He, he didn't probably realise it was quite as serious as it was, and he's tried to, bl- it feels like he's tried to bluff his way through, and it's cost him, and it should cost him, because, yeah, it probably uh, absolutely, in fact, wasn't the way to, to deal with it. The, the kind of comparison I've I've seen comparing what this show and the impact on Rev Pro has been, people comparing it to the impact that the G1 Supercard had on Ring of Honor. I've seen that. And obviously, take, that's yeah. not, yeah, not particularly like for like. But the things that have culminated from this show are somewhat incredible when you think of it. I don't know, in some ways, Benno, are you curious to see this show now? <laughs> After everything you've heard about it, and it's still not out on VOD I, at time of the, recording. I was kind of like, we had this podcast, you know, obviously booked for tonight, Monday night, and I was thinking, I wouldn't mind seeing at least seeing the main event so we can maybe, you know, go back on that because I've still not seen it. I still can't give a, a take on it. But then I thought, you know, if, if they put that out today, they're probably going to get a, accused of, I don't know, profit enough the situation. Uh, I don't know when you put that show out if you're Rev Pro. Uh, but I am, yeah, I'm, well. I'm keen to see it because it does encapsulate a lot of a lot of Rev Pro problems. You know, the discipline issue with both of them that, you know, arguably yep. shouldn't 
dealt with in previous and maybe he shouldn't have even been on the show in the first place and now he's gone and he should be gone but the other bucket issues on the show the the main event being the big story it is it does mm-hmm. you know we keep talking about this as a watershed moment it 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 definitely feels like it is for Rev pro so yeah i do i do want to see that not just for the footage of of this match but just in in general because it has just been such a a really really negative period um for Rev pro at least yeah. in, you know largely uh in the perception stakes it's felt exactly and, and contrary to popular belief We've quite we've been quite brutal on Rev Pro over the last few months in particular. I don't like seen... Rev Pro that much, JP. I get this. Yeah. I, we get hard with the with with the Joe Brush sometimes. People all attribute Joe's opinions to me, or they'll attribute them to you, or Joe will get you know my opinions attributed to him because we're all on the same podcast. Uh, I'm not that big a Rev Pro fan. You know, I'm not that big a Progress fan mm. these days either. And yet, and like you will both say, and as Joe will say, and as you'll say, JP, when they do fuck up like this, we're happy to talk about it and happy to. To lay into them like we would any other promotion. Yeah, um, I'm not even the biggest Bodum guy, really. I can recognise he's talented, but uh, you know, well, I can also recognise he's not worth worth it with the the shit he brings. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I think yeah, it's going back with this show, all of the things that have come come out as a result of this have, have been really like things that have been in some way seen as negatives, kind of across the board, and it's hard to know where they go from here because you know we're going to talk about the south side um stuff as well and about that seems particularly odd particularly at this moment in time that that's going ahead as well it's just that fundamentally uh, like the situation that andy has kind of found himself in is what is now perceived is at this point is that like say with the plausible deniability that he was backing bodum and the guy who has happened against is not able to referee in wrestling or referee in football, which are the things that he was able to do and that he was making some kind of a living from. I don't know if it's his full-time job, but we have our boss at work referees. So as a result of that, we kind of see the the, the kind of physical impact for that. Mm. And that's, you know, in some ways that kind of gets lost in, in all of it, that, that, that is one of the things that has happened. And I think in terms of how he himself has reacted, it's obviously been incredibly emotional. And I think for him, if there are ways of doing it again, how would that have gone about? But the way ultimately going back onto Rev Pro, they've reacted to this. I saw Jamesy make a comment on this, that he mm. fears they won't be around by 2021. And there's a part of me fears the same for that and it's not going to be this this factor in and of itself and what's happened here but it's going to be their reaction to this again and a crowd just going fuck it it's not worth the grief yeah i think for me as well i kind of feel that um i think quilden in the last little while it feels like like i said i think there's a that bit of disillusionment that's there um i think he's struggling with the like i said the change of the fan base to some degree and as someone who's a cockpit season ticket holder, you know, I've missed one York Hall show ever. That was the first one. That was because I was seeing Bruce Springsteen that day and I already had my ticket. And I would have gone to see Springsteen ahead of lying at Dev anyway. There's only going to be a few more opportunities to see the man. And he's the greatest live act ever. Uh, but that's a different subject. Um, but I'm considering selling my ticket 
for the next cockpit show in October because at the moment I just kind of don't want to be around the promotion and don't want to really be around British wrestling generally at the moment because there just feels like there's a bit of a bad feeling for me around British wrestling generally at the moment. Yeah, there are some bright sparks. Riptide, I think, has got a great thing going on at the moment. Um, but I think they're kind of one of the few, especially in the South, if anything. Mm. And I, I look at and think about what Quilden said in his podcast before, before it sort of finished up. And I think about his approach to shows and his approach to this. I must feel like he's not as invested as he was a year, two years ago. It seems like there's almost one foot in, one foot out to some degree. Um, he's handled this badly. He said he didn't find out about it until a few days in. Mm. You know, did he check on the referee? Did he speak to him at the cockpit on the Sunday? All of these things are a factor in this, I think. And those things do need, I don't know, to be analysed and assessed when it comes to his approach to the promotion at the moment. Mm. Is this someone he's got the heart for now? Has he been so beaten down by the NXT UK stuff that he feels like what he's doing whenever he tries to make someone, create someone, get someone over, is kind of not worth the effort? Is he kind of just running the promotion at this point as a kind of satellite promotion for sort of feeder school to New Japan, if anything, as well, and live in a healthy business based on what they do on the sort of camp shows and the local shows down in Portsmouth. I don't know. Mm. But it feels like the Southside acquisition, I thought, came at a weird time. Uh, I was kind of surprised when I saw that because I kind of thought Rev Pro was going in a different direction. I mm. thought that they were kind of on the downswing and maybe they'd be looking to sell at some point, if anything. Um, so that did surprise me. Is he priming someone to take over at some point? I don't know. Is he looking to do something else at the same time? Who knows? It's all kind of up in the air. And it seems, I don't know, quite yeah. bizarre where the company are at this point in time. Definitely. Mm. And like, like the Southside thing is like a weird kind of, you know, thing happening at the same time here as well. Like you said, like what is the deal there? I wouldn't, you know, refer <laughs> already stretched thin uh, you know uh, Andy Quilden with a bit of help from Andy Boy Simmons and the other people in the office you know that that's the the promotion and the struggling to even keep on top of basic things like getting your VOD out on time right now and to take on another territory as well from Southside and uh, yeah what would you, kind of your reaction to that I mean I think maybe maybe you could read it the other way that you know obviously uh, the old the old family Ben Old uh, is not a don't know, he hasn't got the best reputation in some circles in British wrestling, mm. but the people who've been running that area for a very long time, running Southside, and they, they do, you know, I was talking to Martin about this, and they can do shows in, you know, the high hundreds as far as draws go. Um, obviously, you know, that they, for, for people in that part of the country, they are a, they are a big deal, but yeah, maybe, maybe a big part of it is the fact that maybe get some help now in uh, in like having a, you know, in helping maybe running more north, you know, maybe they can cut ties with some of these, you know, really, really southern shows that don't, don't, don't draw in the, you know, just because they happen to, just because the town happens to be close to where, to where Andy Quilden is, who we've kind of found doesn't necessarily mean it's the right place to run. Maybe this would be a better strategy, you know, taking over, you know, some of Southside's venues, maybe using that proximity to the north and that proximity to Manchester where they have done okay over the last couple of years. Maybe we could get more of that. Maybe this is the, uh, the extra hands on deck that we've talked about a, a million times that maybe Rev Pro do need. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think they've probably looked at what Set Outside are able to do 
in those locations that have seen it as a possibility to expand the brand around those sort of areas as well. Now, there is a track record of doing this. Um, the Southampton shows, the 1865 Club, that they were originally Lucha Forever dates that Ryan Smile had booked on the venue. Oh, true, yeah. And Quilden had brought Ryan Smile in to promote those dates for him. Mm. And he was going to do more um, dates in Lucha Forever venues as well. So he's got a track record for doing it. And those Southampton shows have not been anywhere near as successful as those Lucha Forever shows. Um, I think it's partly because the venue suits kind of more evening shows mm. and they run them on a Sunday daytime, which for me is a strange time to run those shows in Southampton. It doesn't really work. They don't draw good houses there at all. Lucha Forever were doing like about three times mm. what Rev Pro do there. So I do wonder if the promotion is maybe going to be as effective as Southside mm. because they haven't managed to promote those shows well in Southampton at all. But I kind of get the approach and I get why they were trying to expand into those territories as well if they're trying to push their brand a little bit further. I'd also like it if they started using wrestlers from those regions a little bit more as well. Yeah. And making more use of kind of some of that northern talent that we don't see a lot in RevPro. Because I think one of the things that they've kind of struggled with is recreating stars. And that's not to say that there have been some good guys there this year. I think they did a really good job of A-Kid and Carlos Romo this year. I think Phantasmo's been a revelation. I think Oku's been a revelation. Aussie Open as well. I've got Super over in Rev Pro. Mm. But are these guys going to be around? Are they going to stick around? There's talent in that northern scene that can work these shows now. And maybe, uh, what's his name, Ben Old has that connection to those talent as well in that area and can bring those talents on board. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Maybe, you know, there's some untapped potential in, you know, in the likes of Sheffield, Stevenage, those types of places they could they could do that with. Uh I don't know, JP, have you uh, have you ever been to a Southside show in your time? I've never I, I haven't. never have. Um but No. Again, I know Martin has. Yeah, I haven't and, and it's it's Martin kind of as as kind of kept us updated really with the the popularity they have and it's not really and on our radar. Sheffield, they're not, are they? But it it seems like they draw good crowds, mm. and it's a very different type of product. We're speaking about what we kind of expected Rev Pro to be as a kind of much more of a work rate product. It's not really like that at all. What I've seen of them at times, I've been tempted to go is when they've been running the Resistance Gallery, going they've got Bobby Guns coming over, and uh-huh. then he doesn't come over, mm. which then makes me kind of wonder about them. I don't know enough about them um, personally. Other than they kind of run places that I have to admit I'm not really in Stevenage very much. Was it St Neots as well that they run? Yeah, sort of Cambridge way. Mm. Um, Sheffield has real potential in mm. terms of a large urban base, and it would be for them, you know, because it does feel to me sort of the northwest is very very crowded necessarily, and that Sheffield is probably a bit more potential. It's only ever breed overseas. I don't know if tidal runs as well, possibly, yeah, and that's you know sort of tidal. You know, only tidal really. They're only doing about 200, aren't they? Yeah. But I think, you know, Sheffield, there's probably something certainly there to go for. It just seems like if if we were saying this two years ago, this would seem completely natural of like, oh, yeah, it's a really good move, really interesting Mm, what's going to happen. Yeah. Expansion, you think, okay, this is the way they're going to kind of deal with NXT UK. At this point in time, after everything we've just gone through and the myriad of problems that they have, like, 
I'm not convinced of it necessarily working. I think the brand's going to be toxic for a while as well. I think so. I think they've got to basically get a massive New Japan star on the next York Hall show to do business at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And who knows when that's going to be. I suppose Tanahashi's the champ. Yeah. I think they'd probably get an instant sellout if Tanahashi's main event in. <laughs> but Tanahashi should be above Rev Pro on the banner because yeah. I think that's the way that show's going to sell, if anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. Um, I suppose we could probably wrap there on Rev Pro. Anything more on that? Can on I make, Pro in general? Yeah, can I, make ahead, cu- can I make a couple of last points? Mm, go on, and, take us well, on. I don't know how well this is going to go over. A couple of last points I want to make is regarding the ref on the night. One thing that does need to be known, I think we should know, is he did referee the New Japan tag match afterwards, mm. which, if he was injured and distressed, I know it might take a while to hit, I get that, but that is there. He did referee that match, but also he must be trusted if he's able to go and referee those guys, mm. right? So that's kind of a compliment as well to him. The other thing is, he was camera hopping at the cockpit on the Sunday, so he was still around, and I know there's a shoulder injury there. Was the shoulder injury enhanced by the fact that he was camera up him with that big camera on his shoulder as well? That's one thing I've not seen mentioned anywhere that I do think needs to be part of the conversation. The last thing I'll say is, oh, God, should I say this? Ah, I've said enough. (laughs) I really don't like the fact he linked to his PayPal and asked for money. Because, okay, you may be at work as as a result of an injury Mm. and you may be looking for sympathy, I don't like, and this is again, it's probably a generational thing. It's probably me being a little bit out of touch. I don't like that searching for sympathy. And there is a welfare system that is in place in this country to help people when they're out of work. That's all I'll say for that. Fair enough. Anything more on that, JP? Um, I haven't really got anything more to add. And I don't know, we've just got to wait and see if this ever comes out, this show. That's the only other thing now is he's probably going to do some best business they've had on Rev Pro and Demand for quite some time. I do have one last point as well, actually. Sorry to keep going. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. The Twitter stuff we were talking about, one thing I've always found absolutely ridiculous when you hear about it is Wrestler's Court. Yeah. It feels like Wrestler's mm. Court has become fan court on Twitter in 2019. I'm sure if you said to any of these fans, right, who are going mad and holding people to account and looking for these black and white instantaneous answers and responses with, you know, no element of human kind of uh, fault in there or flaw. If you said something about wrestlers' court, I reckon they'd look at it and go, oh, it's disgraceful, it's awful. And I just sort of think to myself, question what you're doing on Twitter. Yeah, you may be on the on the side of the good guy, you may be supporting the good guy, but just think about your tabloid responses, your short-sighted responses, and your absolute demand when it comes to wanting action taken there and now. Because I don't like that. I don't think that's cool on any level at all. And I hate the idea of wrestlers court. But I think the idea of any kind of fan-led court in this way is not cool. I don't know if I've said that in a very good way, but whatever. It bothers me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like you said yourself at the start of the show, there is the the obvious counterpoint that, that fan court did kind of force the issue a little bit and we might not have mm-hmm. got the same result if it had gone a different way. There is that too, but I, I do get what you're saying. I think it's a fair point. We said that at the start. Mm. We said that at the start. And that's one of the things about this story is it's not, it's going to sound, but I, it, there are some bits of this story that aren't nuanced at all. 
there are other bits yeah, that are, yeah, are more absolutely. complex the more you delve the more you kind of delve within it well really. somebody tweeted me and said oh you're not gonna and i know they didn't mean anything by this so this isn't a shot at anyone but they were like you know you're not gonna i hope that on your next podcast you're not gonna endorse josh botham after this and i was thinking to myself like i know this is in the midst of it all but what he's done is terrible but you know He's not Chris Benoit, you know what I mean? It's like, it feel, yeah. you know, it, it's been dealt with the right way. He's a piece of shit, and everyone said it and piled on. Uh, but you know, he's not murdered anybody at this point. You know, if if people are gonna say he's a good wrestler, but I don't think that's the worst thing. That's to the wrong conversation to have, and that's kind of always. I don't think our stance has changed really, uh, other than maybe you know it's become more clear how bad a person he is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, there's, there's, I think that's the thing. It's the like you say, the lack of nuance, and there are there are degrees to this. It's very bad what he did. In my opinion, it's less bad what Shah did, and I do think they've both been dealt with the right way um, in mm. general. And I think it's you know, some the situation somewhat resolved, maybe with the caveat of yeah, Rev Pro haven't showered themselves in glory either, and you know people would probably want Andy Quilden to clarify what he was. Uh, going on about with those messages to Josh Bodum too but all in all I think yeah I think even the most extreme uh, outliers I would hope would think that there's at least been you know some settlement of the issue uh, in general there yeah and I think having a discussion about it and a lot of people are going to disagree with us but taking some of the outrage out of it and think on it for a couple of days and not having these instantaneous reactions where you're trying to get likes and you're trying to get over with people on Twitter and you're trying to push an agenda because like I said I think a certain group of people have latched onto this story to push their own personal agendas and I think there's a lot of individualism at play here people may claim to really care for this guy and really look after him and have his back on the rest of it but a lot of it is people trying to get themselves over and trying to get a personality over and a caring nature over and we've seen from some of those people before who are trying to demonstrate this that that is not who they are and we've exposed them before so that's the last point actually the last point i'll make on it is andy quilden is glenn from the thick of it in series four that's who he is (laughs) running around in circles not sure what to do oh now we've got to use the thick of it music yes yeah uh, now we've got to use the thick of it as our as our intro music, lads. What are we going to do? I don't have any music. outro. Outro. Oh, for the yeah. out. <laughs> what songs are they using the thick of it though? They don't use a theme. Yeah, yeah, Is there no theme at all? All oh, right. You just have to get Malcolm Tucker swearing. Uh, is there an outro theme? I thought there was an outro theme. There's no music at all. No. Uh, Same for in the loop. I think in the loop there's a song. There's there's that uh, heavy metal. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. in, in the yeah. loop. That's uh, about it. Uh, cannibal. Uh, what is it? It's a Cannibal Corpse tribute band, isn't it? It's. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Right. Let's uh, now that that's kind of all covered. Let's let's talk the uh, the rest of uh, bits of news that have kind of come in in the last week. And you know what, lads? Without even meaning to, I think we've become a Brit Res podcast again because we have got to talk more Brit Res. And I thought this might yeah. actually be the lead, but it's kind of been forgotten now because the shitstorm last week was Rev Pro and and Southside or all of that news. But it was also kind of our return jp to, to mid-2000s brit res as breed was supposed mm. to have their show in a cave at the weekend and if you believe the rumors a nefarious potential other wrestling promotion has called the council and got the got the show canceled because of something to do with a very specific permit that they uh, they apparently didn't have and in the same day like i say there was the red pro south side news and there's also the ridiculous news of the that OWUK tour the one that i was raving about a little bit on last week's show literally within yeah. hours that thing has been quote unquote postponed um 
depending on whose version. Well, actually, I think everyone is consistent, at least with that point of view. Uh, the local promoters were uh, Sean McMahon and Jay Apter of, uh, of TNT Wrestling fame, was supposed to be the booker, uh, but was down, I believe, in uh, in some paperwork as the uh, as, as one of the, pe- the directors of the company, one of the people behind uh, the company as well. Uh, those two left OWE UK, apparently. Sean McMahon posted a couple of uh, things on his Facebook uh, about uh, promises not being kept and uh, other mysterious things is leading to his and presumably Jay After's exit from the company. The actual OWE in China seemed to not really know what was going on. Apparently didn't even have the password for the OWE UK Twitter account. Uh, they did eventually log in, delete uh, a couple of the tweets from presumably um, that other side, the, uh, the UK side of, uh, of Sean McMahon, etc. Uh, and stated that the tour wasn't cancelled, it was just postponed. Um, in the meantime, a lot of people have uh, put claims in on PayPal, which I would recommend you do if you haven't already, and you did buy tickets to those shows, and are getting the money back, I believe, um, from the, sounds like from the OWE side, or maybe, uh, I think it depends on how you paid, uh, which way your money was coming back, but an absolute shit show of a situation, and just, I kind of found myself in the middle of it, because I was posting the screenshots of of those messages um, that were being posted, and the contradictory stories that were being posted, which I think is, is fair commentary to say, Um, that uh, Sean McMahon, mysterious Sean McMahon bloke, who was Head of marketing for, I think they called the company Martialism, Sport and Culture. I think that was what they were calling OWE UK. I know he was threatening a couple of uh, journalists with legal action for essentially just reprinting his own statements and reprinting the, the screenshots of the OWE UK Twitter account saying that the show has been delayed. And then Seema, of all people, like the big star of that company, Seema, put in just literally tweeting what's happened in capital letters in reply to OWE UK. Just a lesson that you know, if, if something looks too good, it probably is. And yeah, a very much a reminder with, you know, councils being rang up, super shows being cancelled. It felt very mid-2000s uh, Brit res this with the, uh, with just, you know, the, the dark old days perhaps uh, coming back in some ways. And yeah, these uh, these super shows, as would ha- often happen in the mid-2000s, bringing in all these names. And in this case, they did have quite, you know, their AW talents. They had, you know, different talent from Ireland, Germany, lots of interest in UK talent on there sometimes if uh, if something's too good to be true it, it very much probably is yeah it really did have that kind of vibe to it. i remember us talking about of like these are really odd shows i just can't see them doing any kind of business at all it seems so odd and so ambitious and then they changed venues as well it, it, it all seemed very odd to me from the outside it wasn't an mm. event i was i was kind of looking forward to going i think what the events of the last week in particular and including what we've talked about at the at the, at the start of the show is um how precarious a lot of the british wrestling landscape is how there's much more of that kind of hand-to-mouth existence where it takes one tiny event and what can end up happening ends up with people who are left out of pocket in terms of fans for travel, in terms of wrestlers for where they were going to be working, you know, everything there is, it's like it's hanging on a thread and all it takes is people who perhaps come in who really maybe shouldn't be there Mm. or getting involved in ways of trying to, you know, hobble what has been up to this point. One of the, the kind of, British wrestling success stories in breed wrestling. Hmm. You know, 
it's a show I wasn't going to that particular show, but it certainly got my interest. I'd spoken about it. It's a company I'd like to go to at some point, and you see what's happened to them and all of the wrestlers. And actually, it also showed a lot of the goodwill that that company's created in a short space of time mm. in terms of people helping out other companies as well. Also, I know Progress did it. I want to. I'm trying to think of the other companies who did it as well. I said that they would exchange tickets. Um, that people who were left out of pocket from OWE, that they would be able to do it. So there has been some kind of like green shoots of some genuine niceness happening this week. But these kinds of scenarios feel like this might become a lot more regular mm. because there appears to be at this stage, if we ever thought, you know, and you shit stirred a few weeks ago with your Brit rest is dead. <laughs> oh, I mean, by God, the traction that that, that has received. Yeah. Um, but the, it's it's these kind of points that I really worry about the scene in general mm. and about whether or not uh, what kind of scene we're going to end up having. Are we going to end up having just sporadic shows that go on around the country that are kind of super shows? And, you know, if that's the mentality that somebody's going to call up the council over something daft or in OWE's case, it just doesn't seem like it's structurally sound there, mm. then, you know, there's a lot of concerns. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just a, just a, it all added up. It was just a weird kind of, maybe not a black. I think uh, Ian Hamilton described it as kind of Brit Res's bad day. If you kind of tied all these things together, but it just kind of was just a, I don't know, a bit of water to the face, a reminder of kind of, yeah, the the things aren't things aren't great on all quarters, and all of these are, could have mm-hmm. been isolated minor stories, but just kind of interesting. Yeah, south side closing. Uh, again, this big tour that a lot of wrestlers were booked out for that weekend. Uh, I saw a lot of wrestlers asking for replacement bookings on the OWE tour fronts. Wrestlers, you know, on that you know, supposedly that was supposed to be on the on the Breed to- uh, show on the Sunday, struggling to find bookings and having to you know scramble and and beg and plead. And it just it, it was really yeah a block. I think it was some wrestlers who were actually supposed to be on on both uh, weekends of shows, which was a shame. But I would say you know mm. promotions did come out the woodwork. Pro Progress themselves, you know, came out and offered, you know, freebie tickets to anybody who was affected and infected. I know Wrestle Island did for anybody who was affected by OWE. And I know on the breed front as well, you know, they, they ran their Romo Daniel Maccabee match on the on the Saturday and they've put that up on YouTube now as well to maybe get themselves mm. a bit more positive. Apparently it's a cracking match. I wouldn't yeah. mind getting around to seeing it. Well it went up while we were recording, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll all get to see that in time for, for next week's show. Cause yeah, Dan, Daniel Daniel Maccabee, Mac or, or Maccabee, however you want to pronounce. It was uh, pretty much just over for breathe, and he's gone. He's basically gone home now after one day's worth of shows. Um, yeah, just a just a really weird day, and a day that maybe uh, uh, kicks some people who are maybe you know on the fence about you know Brit Res maybe being in just a little bit of a, a state of concern um, to just kind of yeah say yeah this is a uh, we might get a few more of these uh, these days going forward. Yeah. That's the fear, isn't it? Is that we might end up with a few more of these. I'd say on the Daniel Maccabee front, I hope it's something that doesn't dissuade him from taking further tours. Because really, at this point in time, he's someone who is as fresh enough of a face, yet with with a kind of very underground sort of indie buzz as well, who could do really well in the UK and add a lot to a lot of shows. Mm. So hopefully he'll he'll get a chance to, to come over and work more. I know he's doing like sort of tag festival for WXW, isn't he? doing ambition, mm. but it'd be good to, hopefully if he can get a chance to actually come over here and work some, work some bigger promotions. 
definitely. But yeah, weird little day that in uh, in Brit Res Canon. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, like I say, I'm just mainly sad, JP, uh, because of that that OWE show. I was planning on going. I was thinking I was going to get it myself a a big slap up Chinese meal in Chinatown, Liverpool, and then go to the show. And they moved the venue and from Chinatown, and then they moved just allegedly of uh, of delayed the shows. Uh, if they do actually happen in Liverpool, maybe I'll still consider going. But I don't know. Uh, my personal only if Luchasaurus is on it. Yeah, there you go. Luchasaurus is going to get me out the door, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe if Luchasaurus is back, maybe I'll uh, I'll be willing to give him another look. But on that Luchasaurus front, another kind of couple of news looks before we go once the the hit up. Uh, Chris Jericho got his belt back. Uh, speaking of stories that broke while we're recording, uh, that whole little bit of the bubbly stuff kind of went viral again last week uh, with Jericho losing his belt and. Going for his, his steak dinner, and the, the, the apparently, but I think he was he was they were blaming weren't he that the, the the limo driver something to do with the bags being mixed up and the 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 belt getting lost, and then apparently some it kind of led into like a really fun little twenty four hour story where Jericho was doing promos, kind of leaning into it. Uh, he cut a great promo in a jacuzzi and a in a hat and sunglasses, drinking out of a champagne bottle. Uh, talking about how he's going to do anything to uh, to get his belt back. I think he did a really great job of turning it into a fun little story. Uh, even it almost felt unfortunate that the uh, the police found the uh, the belt so soon because uh, there was definitely legs in that thing. I wish, and I think I heard Dave Meltzer say it. I wish that if they got the belt back, that it happened really quietly. Mm. No yeah, it's annoying the police. Had to go on. He ruined the police. Ruined the perfectly good wrestling. The angle, yeah, yeah. It's a shame that you know. I almost wish we lived in a world where you could say, just ignore the police thing that's happened there. You know, it's not as if our prime minister isn't in. Uh, you know, ignoring the rule of law right now. So let's just maybe ignore the uh, Florida police service and let's get a good angle out of it because yeah. You could have done something with, say, Cody or John Moxley with this. Oh, yeah. I think Jericho was really disappointed himself because I think he straight away saw money in this. Yeah. Which shows the kind of, for me, it shows just how, how great the man is and the way he's worked this over the last couple of days he's, as well. He's managed out of basically, let's face it, him on the piss. Yeah. Him losing a belt. He's managed to turn into kind of, not only managed. To, to go trending worldwide and become incredibly memeable. Um, and then at the same time, sort of generate heat on the title and become and stay incredibly relevant, which is the kind of genius of the man himself. It kind of shows this is what he does. He stays relevant. Even when you think you can't do it, you kind of think, look at the way he's worked this round. Mm. And he knew from the beginning how to do it. Yeah, he's... You know, we've said about his in-ring work, but fuck me, the brain is very, very much there. There's no fear on that front. You've reminded me, actually, and I felt bad that we didn't mention it last week, but uh, Matty uncovered this fact, and it's one of my favourite facts. I always go to it. Did you know that Chris Jericho at this point as AEW champion is the same age as Hulk Hogan was in his 2002 retirement comeback tour in the WWE when he was finished and he was on his last legs uh, and he was on his way out? Uh, yeah, very. But then again, I would say Jericho is a very different uh, forty-nine to uh, to what Hulk Hogan was uh, in those days. He's uh, definitely, uh, although he's you know he's in uh, he's in maybe drinker shape, drink drunken brawler shape. 
uh, I think he's got a little bit more to give than uh, I think Hogan always looked older than he, than he was, didn't he? Um, even in like two thousand two, uh, uh, to be honest, even in the eighties, he was always. I always thought as a kid, I, I always thought of Hulk Hogan as some old man, you know, even when he was in his early thirties. Uh, I think it was, it was the mustache and the, and the bald head that made it, it all feel different. But yeah, Jericho is a, probably a, a very different prospect at that uh, that same age now. A context is everything, and the context of Jericho's title reign, the context of Hogan's are wildly different in terms of what they're there to achieve. Yeah. Like Hogan only had that belt for a month, didn't he? He lost yeah, it to Undertaker yeah. in that really bad match at Judgment Day. Mm. Uh, was it Judgment Day 2000? Mm. No, not 2000. What was it? Year was it 2002? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that was just a one month. Here you go. Everyone's kind of hot for you right now on this nostalgia run. Take the belt. Whereas Jericho's there. Jericho's relevant. Mm. Hogan was relevant in a nostalgic way at that point in time, and he was not going to be relevant in any other way than as a nostalgia act. Jericho isn't a nostalgia act, and I think he would hate to be seen as a nostalgia act as well. Well, definitely. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to tie into that, obviously you got the, the full gear uh, pay-per-view sh- coming up to kind of close out the years for us, their big pay-per-views go. There's a, the, the, the doing the Kenny and Moxley match, finally, so they're going to get that, but we're also going to get uh, Cody against Jericho. I, I, I've got some... I think they invite their own criticism in some ways by putting Cody in the match. I know he's won his matches uh, in AEW, but they've outright made it out. You know that that that, that famous comment uh, from Tony Khan to you, Joe, about there not being uh, too many authority figures in uh, in AEW, and now we've got six. They outright on being the elite have Cody book matches. So I think they invite their own criticism in some ways, and they're gonna get that. And it's gonna be we're gonna get the veiled Jericho shoot comments about how uh, we all know why you're in, the, in this match, and I can't be bothered with all that. But as a match, and as far as, you know, Jericho's limitations at this point, and as far as what Cody is actually good at, I think this is probably the best match Jericho could have at this point uh, on an AEW show. Yeah, I think it's the right match to book for the show. It makes sense. And I think you're going to get the MJF turn here. And I think that's what the match is going to be remembered for more than anything. I think it's a fine match to make. I think Cody's track record so far in kind of event spectacle-based matches in AEW has been second to none. I can see this being a good match because I can see there being a lot of smoke and mirrors. I can see it being really well laid out. And I think, like I say, we're going to remember it for that big MJF turn that comes at the end of this. I might be wrong. I hope it does come at the end of this. I'm expecting it. But yeah, I think it's uh, the kind of a logical match to make for this one. It is a bit of a shame because it means Omega won't be going on last again. And I think, mm, he, is he going to lose something from that? Because he needs to have a really hot match mm. with Moxley at this point. He's probably going to lose going that on too. the last couple of shows. Say again. He's probably going to lose that too as well. I think you should be winning that. I think you give Moxley strong wins on TV. I think you have mm. Moxley on TV every week winning his matches convincingly. I mean, I think he loses nothing from it. Whereas I think Moxley isn't the kind of guy I think who needs wins and needs big wins constantly. Whereas I think Omega in this promotion maybe is to keep him strong. Mm. Yeah. I think um, at this point in time, you, you Moxley's got that kind of heat around him and if he can have the kind of matches he's anywhere close to that in New Japan in order to create that buzz on TV as well you want him strong in those first few weeks if for no other reason you're showing the general public that here you go we've taken someone who is effectively a WWE wrestler and look what he can do on our product and it looks so much more spectacular than what you ever would have seen him do with them 
And I think that's one of the, the kind of the USPs. Definitely. I mean, on the like the authority figure thing, do you think they invite their own mm-hmm. criticism with that? Like, I I do yeah. have a problem with that. I think I really think, and a couple of people said this to me, they they do need to go the championship committee route. Um, I, I think I think it was Joe Mills who said it to me, but you know, we we, we kind of. I, I would take Jack Tunney. I think they need to, like, when they go on TV... Yeah, need, I was thinking the same. ...to bit yeah. off all of this kind of authority figure. You know, the books booking their own matches and Cody on being the elite, um and ahhing about, you know, what he's going to do with Hangman Page on the next show. That type of stuff needs to go in the bin. They need to phase that out. I mean, I know that the company's still called All Elite Wrestling, so there's always going to be that problem if you do think of it as a problem i suppose i I certainly do but i think if you do that or you go to a championship committee uh, it was proposed i think by joe of having you know we could have you know arn anderson in the role uh i'd take six arn andersons as if you're gonna have a a championship committee i think that'd work Uh, but just something like that where it's just a man in a suit and it's a mythical thing we talk about that have decided on the title shots just so really we can get away from I just I don't want a TV product where every week heels like MJF are constantly having to reference. Well, we all know while you're in this match, times six times because all of the elite guys have uh, have got this power backstage that they they do shove in your face both in a in a kayfabe term and and on the shows itself themselves. Yeah, I think they almost see themselves as having to have that role for this fan base at this point in time, maybe because I think they. Are convinced that obviously the fans are there to see them and want more of them and like their online viral sort of content, possibly. Mm. But yeah, I do think they need to start taking a bit of a back seat, and maybe there needs to be a bit of a kind of storyline where they just say, Right, this is the direction we're going in. Um, there's a bit of confusion, possibly, with how matches are being made in the promotion. We're going to go with the committee or we're going to go with the sort of figurehead, if anything, like the Jack Tully sort of role and just get it done. But I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, I think that, I think they're going to find it difficult not to do it. I think even, yeah, I think my kind of take is even, even if you take all that away, they're still going to be doing stories about Cody and the books arguing about, well, who really has the ear of whoever this championship committee is. And then they can't help themselves. Like, I think that's, I think it's going to be the downfall of AEW, but I think it's going to be one of the big negatives. This kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge about them being executives is probably, I think you're probably right. It's, uh, it's never going to quite go away. Um, but yeah, a couple of other AEW notes I wants to mention, like on the in the Observer this week, Meltzer mentioned that it the, the all that was still trending towards a hundred thousand. I think he he, he had it pegged at about thirty thousand domestic, um, as far as pay per views go in the US and add on fight and add on international, and he he did think it was still that it was going to be less than double or nothing, which is kind of what we said. But I still think it, if that is the way it lands, I think it's an impressive number. The, the TV. I think they had like a TV road two show, didn't they, on the on US TV that did what three hundred thousand viewers or something like that? Gives me some some pause to think maybe they've cooled off a little bit, but I do think that yeah, once the TV launches, I'm relatively confident of them doing at least a million on TV. They're going to do better than the old impact numbers, I think, and I think pay per view wise, I think that's a that's a fair ballpark to start at. I definitely think they'll end up doing better than than impact eventually. We're talking sort of at the high point of impact was what one point. Well, it was really sort of 1.2, 1.3, wasn't it, on a consistent basis? Mm. And then when Hogan came in, it sort of went downhill. Um, I'm trying to find, actually, the TV ratings on ITV4. Um, 
and I don't think it's in the top 50 for mm. it, for what they got on there. So the lowest for that is like 67,000, which is probably right. So I think last time, what was it, 74? Mm, so like I'm I'm guessing that it's around that. That it's, it's down, which you would kind of expect, because there wasn't anywhere near the kind of build-up to this as what there was was for the last year. Now, obviously, I'm looking at that on a UK basis. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they've... Um, in in terms of what they're going to be doing TV wise, I mean, we're going to find out. What is it this this week, isn't it? Isn't it this Wednesday? Is NXT on debuting on USA Network? No, that's not for. That's the. Is it like the eighteenth of September? I think. It's is next it the eighteenth of September? Yeah, I think I it's next this, this week. I think it's next oh, week. Right. Yeah, they're only doing the one hour, aren't they? They're doing one that's hour on it. USA Network and then the other on uh, on the on the actual WWE Network uh, basketball or something, is it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, I want to say, is it Big Six? Is it college basketball? Something anyway along those lines. Mm. But, see, I think that's actually going to hobble it. I thought they should have gone out there with a couple of kind of kick-ass shows, even though it would have been a full sale. Mm. The crowd would have been a bit more up for it. And now it's just the one-hour shows. I don't know whether or not people are going to be, the two-hour product's going to be a bit of a leap. Mm. It makes those kind of two one-hour ones. I don't think they have as much value as they would have had. Mm, yeah, definitely. But I guess it's a wait and see thing. And yeah, I think I mean the other note I wanted to make as well was, uh, and it's kind of a board board talking point at this point. Well, we are the, the the official podcast of a star rating app. Meltzer giving that young butts ladder match five and a quarter. Also the same for Tyler and Walter. Uh, he only gave a card to Suzuki four point five. He gave Kenta Rishi two and a half, which shocked me. I know I know there was the cancer issues in there, but I always felt that was should be. How is that two and a half and the young bucks killing themselves and a lot of the matches five and a quarter? I mean we probably exhaust ourselves trying to make sense of uh, big days ratings at this point, but yeah, even I didn't expect it to go that high on that and the uh, and the Tyler Walter match, at least in comparison to Okada Suzuki, which felt like a, a guaranteed five star match to me. Yeah, he's broken. I think that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he jumped the shark on this a while ago, didn't yeah. he? I can't take the ratings serious anymore. No. I go there for the news. Yeah, long gone are the days when I used to use Dave's ratings as kind of a guide, and they were always a pretty accurate guide. I can't mm. remember ever really disagreeing with him that often. Yeah, there would have been the odd match, but now it's gone into like full overdrive, and it's like he's just, I don't know, embraces as a gimmick, or it's just become kind of his thing to go wild on the stars, if anything. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He never, again, as we keep saying, we, we unfortunately, we'd like to sign up to Grapple and get an account, but yeah, I don't think he could deal with the uh, the constraints. Uh, I wonder what he, what, did he, did he ever rate Invisible Man and Invisible Stan? Or did he refuse to rate it? That could be. A I doubt he's seen it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if he, he watched it. Surely he would have seen it, no? Yeah, uh, he would have been at WrestleMania weekend. He would have been busy. Eight stars. Think about the amount of bloody writing he's got to do. He doesn't get. Apart from PWG, he doesn't really get to watch a lot of indies. That's very true. From what I gather. Yeah. yeah do you know Supermarket Sweeps returned? <laughs> <laughs> Who's hosting? Rylan. <laughs> Really? He's no Dale Winton, that's all I'll say. But yeah. wow. no one is. Good to see it back on our screens. Uh, that's a bit of good news. Yeah. Are you a Ryland fan? I'm all doom and gloom, folks. When I take my students to see a live TV recording, I'm going to see if I can get supermarket sweep tickets. Although I will just be longing for Dale, so mm, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, Sorry. I don't know where I'm going with that one. <laughs> You're not a Ryland fan then? Do you not think you could reach the. Uh... 
I had nothing against the bloke. When I saw Britney Spears last year, he was on stage dancing with her. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember. What but was he's it? not Dale Winton, is he? No, he isn't. Uh, that's a yeah. Big Brother winner, though. You know, he's got a, got a bit of star power behind him. Uh, but no, again, who is a Dale Winton? Uh, this generation. Dale, Dale, Dale does, does winning Big Brother come with star power? <laughs> with this generation, wasn't he on X Factor as well? Is that where he came from? I'm sure he did. Oh, I don't know. He, I've seen him on This Morning before, but. Yeah. JP, does winning Big Brother come with star power? Not these days. Who's that bold brother? Nasty Nick? No, no, I think maybe the same series as Nasty Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Nasty Nick was a heel, come on. Like, Brit Rez, like, if if you're going to model a heel after anyone, Nasty Nick could have been. He was awesome. He could have been. He was an awesome, proper heel. Back to the bold woman on Big Brother. (laughs) Jade. No. No. <laughs> was... It's going to be a little mystery Easter egg. See if anybody picked up on that. I can think of a few. <laughs> Just the, walk on, straight past it. On Dirty top dog. There were there were a couple of uh, wrestlers who came out of that, wasn't there? What was a uh, oh, what was his name? Like the was the Asian guy who Nick Barley was it something like that? Didn't he become a journalist? I'm sure he wrestled for a while. Oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah, he was. A, he's yeah. a right dick. Someone else as he well. He came out with some after. horrible shit a while yeah, back. He's all... shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully he's not a listener. But uh, yeah. <laughs> oh well. I think he likes the sound of his own voice and nothing but. To be honest. Uh, that's it. Uh, but other than supermarket sweep, uh, anything we're, we're watching at the weekend? There's uh, there's a few shows on. There's uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, which has kind of been killed by, uh, by well, not mm. killed, but definitely not killed. Still hyped for it, but losing the Barnett uh, Moxley match was a, a big shame. Um, instead, they got Chris Dickinson against Josh Barnett instead on there. Now that's this weekend. Impact's Victory Road is this weekend. Like it's not even listed on Cage Match. That's how much I struggled to find. Is that the one with Elgin Marifuji on it? What? No, that's Bound for Glory. That's they're fun. doing that. I've been meaning to watch Elgin Sekimoto. I heard that was an absolute barn burner. I'll get round to that that's at that. some point this week uh, I would say there was a Nomura Miyahara match that was apparently yeah, great as well yeah, yeah. from all Japan um, Moose versus Stefan Bonner apparently that's a thing I had no idea Moose did you say yep Jesus versus <laughs> Stefan Bonner yeah I was going to say that's the bigger name in that show in that match I, I need I'm to get I need to get back that's watching the... Impact TV yeah I'm up for that I remember when they teamed together Why they is... trashed American top team the um the who was his name Dan Lambert promotion it wasn't Colby Covington on there as well that's right he was on there but Moose and Stefan Bonner went in on impact and they just smashed up the place with baseball bats why is Stefan Bonner not on Bloodsport that would be that's that would true. make a lot more sense wouldn't it is Frank Mir on Bloodsport uh Frank Mir let's see He's training Frank Mir uh, <laughs> I was reading about someone who is it there's a, there's a wrestler no Dan Seven no. Brad Reagan's. I want to say someone like Austin Aries. Really? Yeah. I could have that completely wrong, but I did read. I'm trying to think. If anyone knows, please tell us. Okay. I can't remember. Bloodsport's got the David Lee Smith Jr. against Tom Lawler. Uh, That'll be good. Oh, I'm sold. We've got I'm Manoa there. Thatcher as well. Zachary Wentz is there. Simon Ginn against Anthony Corelli. That's Santino versus uh, oh, yeah. Simon Gotch. Uh, that might be the only version of that match you might uh, might get me interested in. Um, interesting card, up and down. Man, I really want them to bring a blood sport to the UK. I'd mm. absolutely go if they did. Because I also don't think it would attract a lot of the dickhead fans that I really, <laughs> really dislike. Mm. 
Sorry. <laughs> Any kind of GCW show, really, I'd, uh, I'd go to. Uh, but yeah, that's this weekend. Uh, like I say, Impact's this weekend, as well as Bloodsport. And a little show um, you might have heard of that we mentioned earlier. Uh, only Progress's biggest show of the year is this weekend as well. But as established earlier on, none of us are going. Joe, can you name a match? Walter versus David Starr. There you go. <laughs> can you name a second that- match? No. Oh, <laughs> Proteus Royal Rumble Battle Royal, whatever it is. Stay tuned for our thoughts <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah, this has kind of come out of no. I can't believe this is this weekend. I know that sounds like a thing you'd say, but genuinely, like I, I saw somebody tweet about it. And I thought, no, there's no way, and it really is. Uh, still chasing is a. Uh, it's coming up this weekend. Uh, Mystery Man v Pete Dunn. Should we hope that it's you know Pete Dunn versus his own Twitter? Pete Dunn, but he wanted. Jo- he was one of the ones who piled on on the Bodum stuff. He apparently wanted Bodum in that match. He should probably be careful what he wishes for there. Um, be a cracking match. match. <laughs> probably not the time. Uh, any guesses on who will be facing? Do you care? No. <laughs> Jimmy Havoc in a WWE versus AEW super match at Ali Pally. If it is a WWE guy, and it's like, I know I've heard people speculate of Devlin or Ilya. Like, I I just just shrugged my shoulder, like, okay. (laughs) Buddy Murphy. Wrestlers. Buddy Murphy, there you go, could be. Shisono. Regal out of retirement, I'll take that. New Jack. I'd love to see New Jack turn up. Coming out to natural born killers. The only thing I might get minorly excited about is if they got Daniel Bryan there or something, but that's not happening, is it? Yeah, that's it. But yeah, this time last year, I made a very last minute decision to head down to Wembley. I won't be doing it with Ali Pali. Keith Lee and Matt Riddle against Mustache Mountain and, you know, Jordan Grace versus Miko in a, in a non-built up match. Just aren't really This card is like a testament to not doing any good stories yeah. and stealing other people's up. stories for Walter Starr and yeah basing the entire match on what's happened elsewhere um, yeah and yeah. just importing wrestlers yeah. to kind of bolster your show when they kind of left and now they've come back and we should all be really happy because these guys are back and it's a sign of the fact that the promotion's been shit mm. but we should all be happy for one night and it'll be lovely to say hello and have a wave and Lovely old moment to reminisce. What a joke of a show. Travis <laughs> Banks, that'll be Pete Dunne's opponent. They can uh, go full circle on the 2017 Alexandra Palace main event. What a distant memory that shite is. <laughs> Maybe we'll get lucky and it'll be somebody from Gallus. Maybe we'll get uh, one of the coffee boys out there. Or, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, but yeah won't be getting a live review from any of us next week but i'm sure we'll uh, we'll cast our eye over the results um but yeah that's all covered up this weekend um will you be watching any of that what else will you be doing or and is there anything else to say before we go i've i've got one thing i did want to say and to be honest i can't remember his name for the life me i feel terrible about it but really kind listener of the show gave us i am gonna have a go on it this weekend the triple a ps3 um, video game Lucha Libre Heroes Del Ring. No way. I'm hoping it's. I'm hoping it's as Jesus Christ. This is awful. And you didn't remember and, his name. I'm hoping it to be. I feel awful about it. I'm looking. <laughs> I, I know. I feel like the. I'm so so sorry. I said I bought pint of Guinness, but I'm having a complete memory block at this. You do speak to a lot of people at shows, JP. It's only fair. I, d- I feel awful because that's not a slight him at all. It's I'm the one with the problem here, very much so. <laughs> 
Um, but I do. I just wanted to say thank you, Dim, for that. And I'm definitely going to have a go as he says, scrambling through Twitter to see if he can find <laughs> the, the tweet where he sent it across. Anyway, we'll move oh. past that. I'll, I'll throw it in the something show else. Notes. I did want to mention something I've been mocked for before on on this show, and it relates to my fantasy league team, particularly my substitutes bench. <laughs> and I did want to bring up Troy Parrott on away, who I mean, let's face it, he is one of the hottest young young players in Europe. <laughs> Um, scored on his under-21 debut for Ireland against Armenia on Friday. So who's laughing now? JP has been buzzing off this under-21s game and is really looking forward to Euro 2024 (laughs) because of this under-21s game. They beat Armenia under-21s. Armenia 1-0. I looked at results from tonight. Iceland under-21s beat the same Armenia under-21 side 6-1 this evening. I doubt well, they were clearly destroyed from the effort they had to put in against the Ireland. Sure. So, I mean, sure. they went over to Iceland. They weren't ready at all. They'd been basically had the back broken off. I, there was plenty of chances. Parrot at the post as well. Aaron Connolly deserves a shout Yeah, you've got to take your chances. <laughs> and if they're not taking them now, mate, signs aren't looking good for the future. <laughs> JP, will you if 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 it can we get like a JP podcast kind of going over the uh, the young boys football? Uh, we, do you think that could be a good spin-off? Young boys spotlight. I mean, effectively, the there is a Twitter feed called Kenny's Kids that is well worth that following sounds, on. That sounds dodgy as fuck. Oh, I know it does, doesn't it? The name it's meant <laughs> to refer to Stephen Kenny, the next island manager. The kids it's referring to, I have to state, are males age seventeen plus. So. Even then, that sounds a bit dubious. That's why I've said it like that. It's all football related. Irish football related. So there. Fair enough. Right. We should go. (laughs) We should go. Oh, one last thing. One last thing before we go. Bold Woman and Big Brother? No? (laughs) No? What are you going to say about your Xbox? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Xbox, if anyone wants it, it's here. Uh, it's a bundle with three games. It's an all-digital edition with one terabyte of memory. Picked it up from the post office today. Took a long time to come to that Xbox. BT were bloody slow on the uptake. But if you want to make an offer, feel free. There you go. Yeah. Come by me or JP, because you're not going to be able to reach Joe on social media. But on that note, follow JP on Twitter at JPJP. Send them offers uh, for the Xbox, uh, but not for the PS3 game. You wouldn't sell that, would you, Joe? JP? I wouldn't, and I, I am going to find out. I'm going <laughs> to get that name as soon as I can. If what do you manage? Awfully, was a really nice bloke. If what do you manage to sell it? Well, I'll be sell. I'll give you a commission. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's right. that's uh, high stakes now. So yeah, reach out to JP. Yeah. Reach out to me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Follow the Grapple app on Twitter at Grapple app. Like I said, uh, we've now got GCW on the app, which will be great for those uh, big weekenders where uh, where we could be go through the uh, the Bloodsport shows and the Janela shows and just the random big GCW shows as the uh, GCW correspondents on this podcast. I've been slacking, so I'm gonna have to do a catch up and uh, throw mm-hmm. some ratings in. So uh, join the conversation there. And one other thing I did want to say before we. We go as well. I know he's been, he's been uh been under the weather, so uh, best well wishes to Alan Farrell as well. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he's uh, he's feeling better and he's uh, he's back at a hundred percent soon enough as uh, as one of our good friends and uh, a good friends of this podcast uh, in general. Uh, but yeah, God, I don't think this podcast is going to lift his mood. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> if you've made it this end, hey, the, the Irish Sorry, football, I think he'd be in for it. But yeah, if you've made it this far, Alan, uh, best wishes and yeah. We're very sorry, but yeah, for everyone else, we'll be back 
next Monday night with more nonsense, more of the news and wrestling, and more of whatever shows we've watched. See you next week. Bye. I've got the progress clip kind of ready to go whenever. I'm just getting it up on the Chromecast so I can press. I'm dying. I'm, I'm not properly watching it myself. I'm dying to uh, see the reaction. Ah, uh, it, it's. I, I'm curious. I'm curious about this. Oh, here we go. This is the. Uh, uh... Just gonna. Hit. My <laughs> God. What's happening, JP? Talk us through. All right. Okay. I haven't put it up on the big screen yet. Have a watch of this. You might be able to hear this. Um, I don't know if you want to do some sort of introduction to this, or we're just going to press play. Let's go. Just go. There, we'll just go. Right. This should be fun. <laughs> just says Proteus. All right. Okay. Bit of the sea. Ominous waters by the looks of things. It's going to be like the Beach Blast 92 promo. <laughs> oh, close to the like a bit like Is that Ali Pali? Chris Morris, Blue Jam. Is that Ali Pali? Oh, oh my. Is that meant to be the Thames? Good use of the drone. <laughs> Looks proper Tory, does Ali Pali there. Yeah. <laughs> See you go and have some indoor cricket. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Ever changing, shifting like the ocean. Amazing. <laughs> so they're in on the joke. So they've created a joke title. Capable of taking any form from water to glorious blaze. Are they big fans of the WWE 24 7 title, do you think? Oh, Glenn definitely is. Yeah. 90s WCW. That's because his mate Spud is involved. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, we're just getting inspirational quotes right now and some underwater statues. Yeah, that's. I'm, I, yeah, I think it's Poseidon just being of that stuff. I'm not quite sure what this has got to do with <laughs> wrestling. Proteus. It's kind of funny. <laughs> what? All right, what's going on now? We've, we've come to a boat. <laughs> it looks like. Tom Hanks and Castaway all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a good show. Well, that episode of The Simpsons where they go on the scouts thing and Homer and Flanders get lost at sea and they end up at a Krusty Burger and oil. Room. And the other all of the Krusty Burgers, great episode. Ah, oh, love it. <laughs> Is that the one where he's singing sugar? Water, water, sugar. all around. You are my king. Oh yeah. Is that Ben Kingsley? No. I've just searched Proteus on Twitter to kind of get the reaction, and I'm getting lots of trans porn. So that's not good. All good, <laughs> depending on your circumstances. Is that Enzo Amore? Bloody look like him. Is this the man in the, in the, with the moustache? Oh, oh my god, this, there is a Simpsons. Glenn, Glenn's definitely listening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's a compass. <laughs> Where is this going? It's really 
gunman. Looks a bit like Bodum's brother, that bloke, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He had the good Bodum. Is he good? Apparently, well, not in wrestling. Nicer? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It's quite fat They found the now. chest. It's going to open for a, for a title belt. I'm hoping one of these blokes pins the other in a quick three count there. Do you think these blokes are going to be in the Proteus Battle Royal? I hope so. <laughs> what? That's in the belt. The, name of fun. the belt. That's pretty belt. I like the belt. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting a big graphics uh, selling Ali Pali. The 30 it's like early nineties WCW. I'll expect this before Halloween Havoc. But oh. they've gone, spin the wheel, make the deal. But they've gone full parody. <laughs> How much have they spent? Oh my god! Well, that was a thing. I, I would like to say, you know, what we should have watched instead. Ashenam Project for Sean Ryan. Why not? Uh, Is it him who did it. I don't, oh. I don't know. I, what we should have watched instead is uh, Chris Wilson's already put on Twitter an edited version of it. And at the end, he edits in a scene from, from Jaws and a shark takes out the boat and the shark has got the face of Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chris Wilson. Oh, that's very Who do you think is going to win the Proteus belt? It's on this uh, weekend. I... Yes. Do you know I want to win the Proteus battle royal? Go on. Sorry? Do you know I want to win it? Glenn Joseph. <laughs> I want him to go full Vince Russo. Yes. And then when you and him meet for that pint, Benno, he brings the belt and you and him compose with your pints and the belt. Perhaps he can take photos of you in like the Shawn Michaels playgirl <laughs> position or something. Oh, fucking hell. Right, should we get on with the rest of the show? I don't know yes. how I'm going to edit that in. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.